You love him. That was Gabe, of course. That was Gabe. <laughs> I'm Matt, and I'm Paul. I'm uh, I'm recording for my brand new. If you follow any of our social medias, you know that I moved this week, and uh, so I'm in my new sick ass professional podcaster studio room. That's right. Which is why it's freshly renovated, room. soundproofed. It's not soundproof. <laughs> Yeah, Gabe's like, you have actually got a very good, uh, like, plate reverb going on or something. That was good. Thank you. That was good. Classically Bas- trained singer, bitch. That's actually not, that's not true, but it's not not fully untrue. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I am. You're a classically trained singer? I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you were I in, took- like, Coral Ears. I took in private house? voice lessons, motherfucker. Did you really? Did oh, you? Yeah, I did not know that. It was, with, it was with it was with uh, Mr. V. Right, right. Wow. Um, and I was so and I was in the the Uber Elite fucking acapella group with all those motherfuckers. Damn. Did you ever do a solo for your acapella group? Hell yeah, I did. Which one? I'll tell you my crowning achievement when I did college level acapella. Ooh. Wow. You guys are freaking cool. What was the? Yeah. It was a it was a Christmas song. Um, Cause you were bass, right? I'm assuming. I was baritone. Baritone. Yeah. I forget the. I forget what, that like what song. It was a Christmas song though. The, uh, huh? Is bass lowest? Bass is the lowest. Yeah. Yeah. The beat is up. Simply heaven. What? No, it wasn't that one. That's too no. high. Was it Jingle I, Bells? No. Chestnuts. It might have been that. It might have been that. <laughs> you were more in like a. Um, why can't I remember his name? Who's that motherfucker who sings that? Johnny Mac. Frank Sinatra. No, 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 and no. Who's singing? Oh, are, well, are you talking about? I mean, everyone has fucking sang that song. True, true. The 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 the. I don't know. Maybe this is just now me talking about my family's record collection. Your personal nostalgia of who sang yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, damn. We, we were Johnny Mac. There Mathis was the um, in my household. What's I, I think I know what you're talking about, Matt. Like there was that fucking album Dude. by that guy. He was like a TV. <laughs> no, no, no. He was like a TV host or something, and he released the Christmas album. Andy Williams. Hold on. Roasting. Yeah, it's. I think you're probably thinking of Andy Williams. Now I'm thinking of somebody super obvious that I just suck at. Okay. Uh, anyway. Nat King Justin Cole. Timberlake. Thank God, dude. Oh. Oh, Nat King Cole. Yeah. Yep. 
anyway, we did it. So I was mine, you know what? You know what mine was? What? You had a solo? Yeah. Mine was better. Well, we'll let the we audience an decide, an and you can take we'll a poll. A, uh, that's Patreon, Patreon content. Patreon <laughs> only. We'll have an acapella battle. We have to sing. <laughs> Paul is listening. That's it. He's the only judge. I'm just hitting a badminton birdie in the background by myself. He's <laughs> <laughs> hitting a jewel, looking at us like just pissed. Uh, oops, all Simon Cowles. Uh, mine was "In Your Eyes" by Peter Gabriel. That's like one of your favorite songs in general. And it's one of my favorite songs. That must have been a highlight of your life. I lobbied for it so hard. I got so nervous when I actually had to perform it that I was like throwing up in my mouth. Uh, So what part was the solo? Like which section of the song? Or were you? I'm saying like acapella. So everyone did like voice instrumentation and I got to sing the song. Oh, you sang like the whole name. I sang the whole ass song. That's awesome, dude. That's so sweet. You guys basically like won American Idol. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's an acapella. Of me and Gabe are both classically trained singers. It's whatever. It's not something we like. I played sports in high school. I played sports, so. Do you guys think um do you guys think that I was wondering are, where do you think the majority of furries are in in terms of veganism? Where is this coming from? I was thinking veganism. I was just I was just thinking do you just have an immediate intuitive response to like, do you think furries mostly are vegan or not? No, because they don't, they're not I, my, no, I think, I think no, no because I think they don't, <laughs> I think they don't think care about animal animals. rights because they want to fuck animals. But they also are. So but do they're, they, they're not, they maybe they might, maybe they don't eat their own <laughs> kind. <laughs> well, this is, I was thinking of like, is it like Zootopia rules or is it like, uh, you know, are they carnivores? So they don't, some most some of them just aren't because they th- are a wolf or like are all this, of them I sentient. Like, I feel like I, you're. If there are any furry podcasts out there, <laughs> want to come on the show and clarify this? Yes, please. please. But I don't think furries. It's consider themselves to be actual animals. That's you're talking about like fucking other kin or some shit, which is a different. As far as I understand it, like a different category. That's the dividing line? I don't Actually, know. I have no fucking clue. Interesting. Well, we'll we're talking about research. ethical dilemmas because we're, the book we're discussing smooth. is... Uh, <laughs> Very smooth. Uh, well, this is Gabe's choice, right? So yes. Take it away. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> this week we're talking about uh, Graham Greene's um, 1960 novel, uh, A Burnt Out Case, um, which... Uh, I wanted to read for a couple reasons, no, nothing like super well, well defined, but I, this is my, this is only my second Graham Greene novel. I read, um, uh, Our Man in Havana a number of years ago and I thought it was really funny and, um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I know for a lot of Greene's career, he kind of like separated his output into, his like serious novels, which is like this novel and um, the power and the glory and the end of the affair and Brighton rock and all that stuff. And then he had what he called like the entertainments, which were sort of like shorter, more comedic sort of like pulp, almost like pulpy sort of novels. Um, And that one, our man in Havana is generally classed in that latter category, but 
as he aged and kept writing, Green kind of like himself came to kind of reject that distinction and just lumped it all. It's like, that's my body of work. These are my novels. Um, Good on him. Yeah, yeah. And, but, which I think is interesting, and maybe this will come up at some point later, because one of my other favorite authors, um, Simonon, kind of right. did the same thing, um, yeah. where he wrote a bunch of these pulpy detective novels. I wouldn't call them pulpy, but you know, a lot of these, these very popular, like short detective novels, but also had his uh, more serious uh, Roman Dur, they're called <laughs> the, hard, the hard novels. Um, Which we're reading for next week. Yeah, we are reading one for next week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so come back for that. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, I wanted to read it because I enjoyed Our Man in Havana, and I thought it was funny and, and well-written. And uh, I also just remember, I, I just have a very vivid memory of, as a kid, um, Go, going back, I guess, a little bit to some of the, the discussions that we had last week about the mezzanine, but, like, one of the literary memories that has stuck with me was being, like, six or seven and seeing this book on my grandfather's bookshelf and just being, like, for whatever reason, just enamored with the title and, like, wanting to know what the fuck the book was about. <laughs> and I have not gotten around to reading it until now, so... Wow. Was it satisfying to just on that level read it? 100%. 100% <laughs> like deeply. Just checking off that that sort of like nostalgic box. I've had that kind of experience too. It's super nice. <laughs> That's like a mezzanine style nostalgic yeah, exactly. moment right yeah. there. I know. <clears throat> it's so the delay is so is almost satisfying in its own right as well, you know. Right. It, it's like a edging. It's like edging a, <laughs> yeah. a edging literary satisfaction. <laughs> I'm gonna do that with the Bible the tw- forever the, and never. The, the twenty-three it. year edge. <laughs> uh, I yeah I had um, I had the only other Graham Greene book I read, um, was the was uh, the Power and the Glory. Mm-hmm. Oh in, yeah, in uh, in college I think uh, I remember being I, I my memory is hazy, but I I know it has something. It, it has similar themes to to me to this, right? Like uh, um, in that one, I believe like some some a Catholic priest, who's also English, I think, is uh, being sort of chased out of some region in Mexico yep. uh, because the uh, the local like coup military government or whatever is like cracking down on uh, Catholicism as like a, a sort of hostile alien presence in the culture. Right. Uh, I, and I I forgot. I actually have read that also, but it was so long ago that I barely counted as having read it that was before burnt out case right yes um yeah so that so that's it and i was there there's graham green's also got a bunch of like isn't my our man in Havana or whatever a film too or one of them a bunch of his novels have been made into movies I i forget if our man in havana has i think so yeah is it like Simonon? is there like a guy like a through line character that appears in you know multiple things I don't think so. Not not as far as I know in terms of his uh, entertainment novels. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any sort of like um, recurring characters or anything like that. Huh. 1959, Have... Our Man in Havana. Yeah. Our so Man that was the year Havana. before this, which is interesting. That's when the movie came out. Oh, the yeah. Movie. This okay. came out yeah. in 55, I think. This, this book. The one we're talking about, yeah. I think it's 60, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's 60. 
I've been wrong more than anyone else, <laughs> especially about dates and stuff. But, uh, so. Power and the Glory was 40, so that's 20 years before this. Yeah, it's it was super effective. You might be thinking I, of The Quiet American, Matt. That was 55. Oh, man. Which is yeah. one of his other kind of like main, like, you know, most well-known works. You know, I mean, un- Simonon has like double his his published count of books, but but still, the, that's that even that is uh, not, no slouch for Green because Simonon yeah. has like two hundred plus novels. So Green wrote Green, a lot. Green still wrote, yeah, for like he published a book like basically like every other year of his life, or you know something like that. Uh, yeah, pretty prolific dude. So so I don't know. I he's one of those people. It's like. If you have a completionist attitude when you want to like grapple, uh, you have to start somewhere. But you know, I'm st- I'm also like, what did he like? Ha- where did he go? Because right. he still had so right. much more. He died like in nine in the nineties or something. Like yep. I don't know. So like uh, you know, I don't know. He had so much more developed thought 91. to go. Um, but this is pretty smack dab in the middle of it. So, yep, I love yeah. it. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it seems like a decent uh, a decent place to start in terms of greens. Louvre. <laughs> Paul, did you this ever is read my red spicy green or, spicy. Or heard of them? No, I have not read any Graham Green. This is my first one. Um, <laughs> my spicy take is I think this will be my last one too. Not a fan. <laughs> Whoa, giving it away at the beginning, dude. Not uh, not extreme hatred of any kind, but I just. I didn't love this book. Yeah. I was um, kind of a tad bored. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Well, there is like a, a theme. Yeah. I mean, and green, if you're not vibing with it, then it's over because right, that's all fast. the book's about. Right. You know, I had, a, I had a weird experience where I read the book pretty quickly. I was like, I didn't, I actually couldn't put it down. I, did, I wanted to know what was happening, but I was also bored. <laughs> that's, I don't, it's like I, kind I of the first. I, part of me wants to say that. Might be a <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I do think, you know, this book, which, you know, skeletal outline of the plot follows a, uh, friend, a, 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 a sort of world famous French architect, <laughs> right? Uh, of, of churches, mainly, is how he made his sort of fame. Um, who basically tries to bug out and just like leave and, yeah. and fucking go hide nowhere in the middle of nowhere. He, he for, basically pulls a Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he basically he escapes okay. to Africa. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on the racial politics. The race does not comment. come into play. It's just a it's worse than this one going but, to Africa. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so right, so it obviously takes place in sort of like the aftermath of. You know, British colonial. You know, the the sort of the moribund, right? right? Like, when did British colonialism like fully like perish and transform into just financial colonialism? I mean, so never, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, Western colonialism is alive and well. Uh, When did I actually thought? I was actually sort of thinking that it was interesting to read this book this week in light of what's going on in Afghanistan. Yeah, Uh, and the sort of like. You know, not that anyone is particularly being serious about it, but the opportunity anyway to reckon with American colonial sort of influence. Um, I thought this was an interesting read in that in that context because the yeah. book is doing that a lot. 
Um, but so anyway, it follows this this uh, French architect who's you know trying to disappear essentially for for various reasons. Um, there's you know we can get into the details later, but for various reasons, trying to disappear, and he winds up in this um, leper colony in uh, the Congo or thereabouts. Um, it's a made-up place, right? I think it's a made-up place, yeah. Uh, what do they call it again? Le, 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 pirose, le, le proserie. It's like brasserie, le, but le for lepers. Yeah. Yeah. Le proserie. It sounds so nice. It does sound nice. Right? I would go there. Yeah. Um, so he winds up at this leper colony, which is run by... Catholic, the Catholic Church, um, and uh, it just sort of chronicles his personal sort of um, uh, various crises of faith. He's already thinks of himself as an atheist by the time he gets there, and he's not no longer a Catholic. But of course, he has all these theological conversations with the priests and the lepers and the locals and all that sort of sort of uh, uh, you know stuff which is kind of a a theme for green right because green was also one of these kind of raised super catholic was was for a long time thought of as a catholic writer and a lot of his novels deal with the similar sorts of themes uh, you know religion you know what? I, and crises of faith and blah 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 i heard that he converted to catholicism Upon marrying his wife. He, he converted to Catholicism in order to marry his wife. Yeah. Right. So I wonder what he... I don't know what he was raised as, though. Because it yeah, sounds like right. he must have not yeah, been. He wasn't raised Catholic. So I don't actually know what his um, religion was growing up, if he had any. But he called himself an agnostic Catholic. By the end of his life, yeah. Yeah, which is a cool <laughs> phrase. <laughs> right. I don't know what it means. You're Unitarian. I don't know what it means. Yeah, but. right. Yeah, so so I, th- I mean I think that you know this book is is definitely of a piece with Green's kind of you 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 you're getting what Green is about in this book. Green is about um, Catholicism and and sort of questions of religion in the contemporary world, individual sort of crises of faith, with you know a nice side portion of colonialism and anti-colonialism and that those sorts of discussions and that those two threads sort of run through a lot of his work from what i can can gather you know the power and the glory is about both of those things yeah our Our man in havana is about colonialism and and sort of western interactions with um uh their colonial um subjects and all that sort of stuff um which is Another reason that this book sort of intuitively appealed to me because that's one of my, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for colonial era writing and books about colonialism. Uh, I think it's politically fascinating, historically fascinating, and morally fascinating. Um, And 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 so I'm I'm always I'm always down for a good colonial slash post colonial narrative. And you're secretly a. Catholic priests on the side too. So that's that is, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm ordained. <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> I have been accused uh, in my life, like Query is in the book, of being a crypto Catholic, though at various points. Really? What is that? Well, Secretly Catholic, but like secret, sort of yeah. denying it up and down. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but crypto, everything like you cryptic. 
when I was yes. getting my when I was getting my uh, master's degree <clears throat> in philosophy, I had a one um, colleague, one uh, peer who who just relentlessly accused me of being secretly religious. Why? Why? Just go into this for a second. Well, it's 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 mostly it, it was mostly based on like generally uninteresting like my like minor philosophical points. So it's probably would be boring conversation. But, but there, but I mean, the, you know, like it, the conversations. You know, I don't know. It's like it's funny because um, basically it comes down. Basically, long story short, it's because I I believe that there's such a thing as objective morality. Got you. Okay, I get that, but I mean that's right because that's it's not irrelevant, right? Because like a lot of the times the quibbles in philosophical argumentation are the schisms are as fine pointed as some of the theological ones, or yeah, like there's a religious yeah. element to just debating. I, I mean, I, I didn't get a PhD in philosophy, so I don't know. Like metaphysics. Me either. I got a master's degree. <laughs> oh right, right, right. Metaphysics is I don't know what. That just means not uh, physics. <laughs> <laughs> it means it means beyond physics. It's, 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 like the Beyond Burger. It's about the nature Uber of reality. Physics. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Uber physics. Thank you, Supra. You might be thinking about metaethics. Is that what you guys were doing? I mean, well, if you're talking about the question of like, is morality objective or not, that would be a metaethical question. Okay. Ethical. Okay. Do you want me to keep talking about this? Because this is going to be really yeah, boring for most Doug, people. come on. This is content. Go. The distinction this is... It's going to be a long basic, I know. Seriously. <laughs> Jesus. Not really, because me and Paul don't know shit about this. <laughs> oh, so sick. The, so the distinction is ethics, morality, is the question of what do I do day to day, right? Like, how do I make my decisions, right? Was this, was, was this choice correct or, 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 or wrong, Right. Was this morally right? Was this morally wrong? Should I have cheated on my wife? Should I have eaten meat? Should I have, you know, whatever. Those are all moral questions, ethical questions. Put my pants. Should I put my pants? Should I fucking... <laughs> in the should, train? Should I... Because should I, should I, it feels good just for me, you know? <laughs> in the yeah. train. Yeah. Should I subscribe to Belle Delphine's OnlyFans? <laughs> like, those, these are all moral questions. But meta-ethical questions are questions about the nature of the concepts right and wrong in and of themselves, right? What does okay. it mean for something to be morally correct or some, or morally incorrect, right? And the question of whether or not moral correctness is objective or subjective or intersubjective or something else, that's a meta-ethical question. But these are these these seem to be what plague query is that carry query? How how are we saying it? I said query. In my brain, like the, like the dirty American I am, I just said query. It's probably query. something like carry. Yeah, maybe. Although carry, maybe it's supposed right? to sort of sound like, like I I said carry, but maybe query is is like part of like a gesture towards because querying. It's a I don't know, right? Maybe. Yeah, for sure. I don't or know something Quaker. like that. It could be like Quaker too. Okay. Religion. Religion. <laughs> but are, isn't this the shit that he's like? Uh, sick of debating in his head based on his right. his own behaviors, right? Like you know, it's not it's not completely out of the blue that we're talking about no. this kind of thing. No. So, but I would be very I would be very boring to query because he's his whole kind of thing is that he's just sick of having these conversations and he just wants to 
or, or having these thoughts, you know, and so he just wants to kind of live out his life and, and die and be buried in an unmarked grave in a leper colony. Right. And he very specifically, like, the Catholic variety yes. of these questions, right. right? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, Green, Green is, you know, like you said, he was labeled a Catholic writer. Um, and it's because he was just, like, his own personal crisis seemed... He, I thought Green was kind of just sort of vaguely... J- like inserting himself in the form of Dr. Colin, mm-hmm. the guy who's friends with Query. Right. Who's uh, the, the, the sort of colony doctor who's also a self-identified atheist. Right. You know, he's dedicated to his wife and he's an atheist, but but he's like a crypto atheist. <laughs> he's like not, you know, I don't know. He's like got the sort of um, inner peace that I think at least Green maybe um, hoped that he had or had thought maybe he had achieved in, a, yeah. in opposition to someone like Quarry, who's like borderline suicidal. I don't know. Did you, I didn't, I actually didn't get that vibe from like Quarry no, as a, a character. Suicidal vibe. And I think that's kind of one of the, he's, he's that, which is, so the, the burnt out case in the title is a reference to Quarry specifically, but also like a general term that was used by doctors at the time, I guess, or at least was used by this doctor to refer to uh, certain patients who were just too far gone, essentially, mentally, to, right. uh, it's, to bring it, it's back. It's kind of like a term like like hysterical woman. It's kind of an outdated <laughs> yeah, yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like... Or shell shock or something. Yes, yeah, exactly. Shock. Yeah, like you should probably explore why. Yeah. Oh, he's just burnt out. Nah, yeah, he's just he's he is just case. not feeling it anymore. <laughs> he lost one too many finger or toe and he's just not into it anymore. We, but we have uh, you know, we we have terms like that today, right? Like we just say people are not not a vibe now. And it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. We say that? We say that? I mean, we we don't, but people do. Yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be some sort of like dumb, uncomplicated way of describing like a deep crisis and someone's like right. very being, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, the, the, you get you get um, the lepers are a little bit used, used, you know, like uh, <laughs> they're just like here's all these people exactly. with like physical mutilations to to contrast this man's spiritual mutilations or something, you yeah, know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Sucking dude. a hookah. Fucking yeah, dude, Weed for sure. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what if God was like bro. this chair that I'm sitting on? Dude, <laughs> if God was one of us, man. What if God was a jewel? Dude, I don't think God I don't think I don't think God is like some like guy in a suck in the clouds, but I think he's like, you know, I'm like spiritual but not religious. God's like fucking here right now on this fucking Zoom call, dude. Yeah. I keep Julian because Jod or God is my jewel class. <laughs> Praise be to Jah. No, 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 no. Cut that. Not like Strike this. that. Uh, um, I forgot the last point you made, Matt. Oh, the lepers versus you know the way the just lepers are sort of. Portrayed. They're just sort of like a a a prop. Yeah. That was that was like my first kind of like n- not a huge problem but just a minor jab like I get it, you know, I understand that like there's these people who aside from one character really um 
gets get get just just are like people that are like oh I don't have a nose and when like my whole hand is gone and and like shouldn't they also you know but kick or have elephantitis of the balls yeah. dude yes I'm so glad that that was brought up because yeah. you know you go to rotten.com and the bad days of the internet and Those there was the good some days, dude. I, yeah, I mean it fondly, you know. But Getting like psychologically e- scarred at age fifteen, great days. But elephantiasis was a big part of that. Yeah, a lot of yeah. photos of people wheelbarrowing their their huge parasitically puffed out testicles around in like massive freaky cock. <laughs> that was that was that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. That's an inside joke. And if you want to have some fun, Google that. Dude, that was that man's <laughs> choice. Yeah. That guy wanted that. <laughs> he did want it. He loved it, too. Oh, Disgusting, shit. dead piece of meat he yeah. had. <laughs> <laughs> That's another kind of uh, sp- harm spiritually, I would say, yeah. despite the physical element. I mean, you know, to your point. But laughing that, at that was one of like, my greatest nights of my life just <laughs> laughing at that for hours <laughs> this man massive freaking cock. <laughs> wasn't he like on a cliff and like the ocean was, he was, in the back? He was like in Scotland. he was in a beautiful setting yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. the king very living weird. his best life yep he was uh right. to your point matt i mean in terms of the le- the lepers and the sort of like the whole like i mean I, my take is that going in this book you, you need to know th- this book is white as fuck. This is like one of the whitest books, despite being set in Africa and having, you know what I mean? Like it, this book is very white. It's about c- Catholic self-hatred and crises of Catholic faith and colonialism. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, I think I'll, I would defend Green a little bit in the sense that I think he's nuanced enough to, to sort of be critiquing and um, poking yeah. fun at the colonial project in both profound and just sort of small, funny ways, variously throughout. Um, but you're certainly right that like none of the none of the non-white characters are like developed at all, and and even the one that is developed a little bit, who's basically Query's you know servant helper guy, Deo Gradius. Deo Gradius doesn't even get a name. His name is just his. You know, the doctor asks him what your name, and he says, thank God, in French, and that's his name from now on. You know what I mean? Although, you know... Or I don't know if that's French, French or Latin, but... Latin, I think. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it, it could be argued that it, it also is just, um... Yeah, I don't know, just the way it was for these people that were... Whose perspective we're in. I don't, you know, that, that's one way to yeah, wiggle yeah, out of it no, a little I'm bit. Yeah, I'm sure it's like realistic, that. but it's, it doesn't mean, yeah... Yeah, I just yeah, I don't really like. The, I mean, I, I was thinking of Simonon a little bit while reading this book, not because like the styles were similar, but I just I kept thinking Simonon would write this book like better. He would have <laughs> um, inserted in some things that I thought were missing, and one of the major things I thought was missing was what you just said, Gabe. Like the backdrop, the environment of the story seems to be exactly that—a backdrop, like a forgotten backdrop. There's not many descriptions of the actual environment and the people um besides like you know the human grotesqueness of um the lepers here and there but i I thought it was like almost like a missed opportunity to 
talk about something other than just the white people problems of the of the story. I think the actual plot of the story actually could have happened like in Ireland because most of the conflict happens between a bunch of priests and uh, Query and Marie. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that was like a major criticism for me. Like I got to the end of the book and I was just thinking like I barely like remember this being in Africa. Yeah, I think I mean, well, First, the first thing I'll say is that uh, Simonon actually did write a better version of this book. Uh, it's called Tropic Ooh. Moon. Um, and, uh, yeah. So are there lepers at all? There, I don't think there's lepers, but it's a very similar sort of, uh, you know, French guy trying to escape Europe and goes to live in colonial Africa. Um, uh-huh. cool. It Tropic came out moon. 30 years before or something in the mid, early 30s, I think. But um, I was thinking about that book a lot, reading this book, and... Uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, I think I don't think you're wrong to think about the Simnon in terms of this book, but yeah. Again, just you know, I do think it fair or not. It is mostly about. I I, I do agree that Green is like very critical of the entire situation, and like uh, uh, I think it is mostly about the failings of the colonial project and the and all of the like. Yeah. Anglos that are there <laughs> and like Europeans that are just there in this place, uh, having these crises in this place and yeah. like, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily agree with Paul that it's that, that the backdrop is like irrelevant at all, because I know because Green, I think, is has politics. And I think he's not I, I wouldn't say he's like a political writer, per se, but like it's pretty clear that he has disdain for European colonialism. Was, was he in, like, the fucking Foreign Legion? Or he was MI6, uh, I believe. Um, he was straight up, like, a uh, spy. Or he was, like, uh, you know, he was living kind of the stuff that he was writing about, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think, uh, yeah, he just worked for the British government. So he was in all these places. Like, he went yeah. to a leprosary, saw it, and was inspired, and just wrote about it. Like, yes. he, that, that's true of a bunch of stuff like Cuba and, and, like and a Tom Cruise type guy. <laughs> uh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a uh, Ethan hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, to try to defend my position a little bit, I, maybe I just, it just comes down to the actual, the actual writing I felt to be like uninspired and kind of like he phoned it in. Um, I thought overall, I didn't really, uh, feel like his heart was in it in terms of the actual style uh, and j- the descriptions and it just seemed kind of bland to me. I don't know. I I know he's like a famous writer, but I was I was really underwhelmed by how he actually writes and it took me out of the story quite a bit. I felt like he was trying to make certain plot points and talk about certain things, but kind of breezing past how he actually did it. Mm. So, I mean, I definitely... There's... You know, uh, in in just researching a little bit more for this episode, I mean, Green is often talked about as sort of like a uh, a writer who is, you know, he's very straightforward in the way he writes. Like, it, it, it's 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 I don't think anyone could accuse him of being flowery or like overly, you know, verbose. Um, and and I think that he's the writing is definitely straightforward. You know, there's not a lot of 
I mean, I don't know. I, I had I didn't quite have the same experience. I felt like the book was actually kind of dense. It took me a little while. To, I, I was a little slow reading it. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely get where you're coming from in the sense that I think that his writing style is kind of, it's matter of fact. It's not as, like, yeah. pared down and sparse as, like, some people that are writing today. Like, it's not fucking, like, The Road or some shit like that. But it's, 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 it's not ornate or anything like that. It's very kind of, uh, you know, efficient, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I would even say, like, Murakami is that way, too. He's described as being very, like, straightforward in a lot of ways. Did so you, what did you... Trying, yeah. Well, I was trying to think, like, why do I like Murakami and not... Why didn't I like Green's, Green's writing style? And I think... I really don't t- totally know. I guess it's kind of, like, a subjective point. But it just didn't really, like, flow right with me and, like, the accents of certain passages that I thought could have had more descriptions were kind of left empty. And, like I said before, just kind of like he was trying to rush through it. And uh, that's the way it just felt to me. So it was just like, I want to get to the next plot point and have my descriptions here and there, but not really, like, dive in maybe where I felt like he should have more. So, uh, yeah. What was your sense of the writing style, man? Uh, I found it a little more, a little bit more involved than maybe Paul experienced, but definitely that opinion comes in the realm of the dialogue as opposed to a sense of place. Like, the one, you know, in ter- in terms of place, you know, place setting, like, I got that it was hot. Uh... And then there were occasional weather phenomena that uh, were evoked really well to me. But other than that, yeah. And and but you know, part of my thought was that it's 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 really no place. It's 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 not um. It's not meant to be. I don't think, the the focus or whatever. Like you get the notion. It's a leper colony. It's in it's in Africa. It's in a, some sort of colonial holdover of of England. It's 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 uh, it's being strung together by you know, the Catholic church and, and, and that's it, you know, it, it's like, I was thinking a little bit, um, this might not be fair cause the writing style is very different, but like, I was thinking a little bit of the magic mountain and, uh, how, you know, the, the that, that all takes place in, uh, in a sanatorium for, uh, people with tuberculosis and, uh, the idea of like this place that is, um, just kind of a microcosm for a cultural struggle basically where everyone all the patients play like uh these roles as various viewpoints as but you know in that book it's more like stand-ins for like european relations in this one it's like the problem the, the, the times that i got bored it was more like a bit of this anxiety about one's like where one stands in their relation to Catholicism is not like a struggle that I personally identify with very strongly, even though I myself was raised Catholic. Uh, is that true? Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I mean, nominally, you know, culturally, whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, my parents weren't like church going, but like I went to church until I was about uh, 12. Um, I'm not confirmed, but I'm baptized, you know, like all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's just sort of like been ambiently in the air amongst various family members. Now, it, at this point in my life, it, it it plays very little role. I would say just sort of the guilt and the sort of behavioral stuff is is what is really still there. White people shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, Irish Catholic shit. Um, yeah. So, you know, in some of ways, the book spoke to me because I very much experienced some of the quandaries and, and fucking shit that, that Green is describing. Yeah, but uh, I think a lot of it was, like, eye-rolly, like, I've heard this ha- being debated, like, online by, like, much dumber people a ton. You were kind of saying that earlier, Paul. Yeah. Before, before, before you jumped on that or when you went to the bathroom or something. Uh, before I, I think recording. it was actually before we started the podcast, I guess. Yeah. Well, we all, was, we all, because we all grew up in, like, the, like, uh, uh, new atheist. The YouTube atheism, ascendance. dude. The YouTube atheism heyday, man. So we were Fucking all watching Thunderfoot and shit. Hitchens and Dawkins and these motherfuckers come yeah, out. And they yeah. were British, by the way, and and uh, <laughs> yes, and like uh, uh, have these same kind of conversations in the two thousands. Um, yeah, you know? except where I think that the the reason that th- that that didn't bother me as much is that I feel like um, not that that it necessarily bothered you, Matt, per se, but I know Paul, you were expressing a little uh, trepidation about like rehashing some of this shit that to us is like you know been done to death in the last 20 years um yeah is that you know i feel like green is not he's not as interested in this book and probably in his own life in the sort of theological you know philosophical conversations he's interested in the effects of those things on subject subjectivities on individual people right and like how does that sort of change one's outlook, one's behavior, one's sort of orientation towards not only one's own faith, lapsed faith or whatever, but also other people. And I feel like this book does a really good job of capturing that. And that's something that like, obviously the YouTube atheism debates just don't give a shit about. Yeah. I would, I mean, I agree. I think my point before was like, uh, yeah, it does feel a little bit done to death. And it, if, I think I was saying it before the podcast started that, like, if you were reading this and you had the same similar mindset we did when we were, like, in te- or teenagers or something, debating athe- atheism in our own heads, <laughs> someone in 1960 read could read this book and, you know, have the Catholicism all around them constantly and maybe be Catholic and have, like, a really great experience reading this book. I think that was my point is that like maybe it's lost a little bit of mm. the emotional effect on later generations. It meant something more probably than to more people. Yeah. Like, but I also do. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's all I had to say. Oh, uh, but I do agree with you, Gabe, that like it does. It's more about how these individuals and their Catholic spook spooks uh, affect their personal lives. And that's like, the the greatest example of that probably is Riker in the book. Who and I mean I don't, maybe not spoilers yet, or it doesn't matter. No, it's all yeah, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all spoilers, spoilers, baby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, spoilers. <laughs> Riker to me, which I was calling him Commander Riker, because <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, dude. Of course. I was actually really happy when I read that name because I was like, wow, I thought that that was like a sci-fi name <laughs> that they, Gene Roddenberry made up, but it's <laughs> real. No, people have it. But uh, Riker was... Different spell. He, like, he was my favorite character. I hated him, but he was interesting and horrible. And there's a couple of scenes in the book that were so cringe-inducing involving Riker. 
um, that I was laughing out loud because they were just so awful. Like there's the just a Gatsby line. ending, basically. There is a very yeah, big, I was yeah. having Gatsby flashbacks. <laughs> but the scene um, where he's trying to get his young wife, Marie, to have sex with him, and he's like, it's so disgusting, and he's calling her Maui, like with like a baby voice, Maui. Yeah, yeah like so cringy. Yeah. It was like, awful. Baby, I hated baby it. want milkies, you know, just like <laughs> oh. disgusting shit. It was awful. Yes, well, Riker plays a pretty important role as like a. a you know, the darkest, one of the dark places that uh, your your faith can take zealotry. you. And zealotry and, yeah, like, faux faith and, like, uh, what, you know, like, wielding a religion in a sort of perverted uh, and sort of distorted way to right. mask the fact that you have no redeeming qualities or grace by God or anything. You're just, you know... You're worst. fucking the worst. <laughs> You're, a You're just kind of like an yeah. So Riker sort of is, like, you know, uh, he he's what like some kind of plantation, like a palm palm oil plantation or something. Yeah, owner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he, I forget how he first meets Query. I think it's when Query's in Luke, the, which is the capital city of the province or whatever. Well, he, yeah, he's tra- uh, Query's traveling to. Uh, Colin wanted him to get get something from, from a distant right, town. Right. It was going to take a while, and they got basically stuck due to the weather. And Luke and Corey just kind of like knows that, uh, or uh, sorry, Riker knows that Corey is like famous and is kind of like you know starstruck by him and wants to befriend him. I also um, think that like speaking of that. And then, yeah, and then, of course, Riker gets in his head that, like, this is the only guy I can talk to. Oh, my stupid wife. I can't talk to her about anything. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. And, and, and blah, 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 blah. But I, but I, I want also a friend to that, talk to about love. Yeah. It's, like, really yeah, weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but it's all performative, right? It's all, like, oh, you're a good Catholic man and you're fam-. But it's all in service of, like, ingratiating himself to someone who in his head is, like, this famous. Here is someone who is smart enough and shares my like as far as i know my christian or catholic values to understand and bear witness to the level that i need of my piety right that's kind of where he's at he's like nothing else is doing it for him even the like even all of the priests at the lip rosary are like falling short because they just don't they're so sick of him and they don't give a shit you know well, and also one of the things that i thought was really funny about the book and Riker talks about this a lot is that the, the priests, the people working at the leprosary who, you know, on paper should be, oh, these are the most selfless, like, pious people. Like, yeah. they're... All they, all they think about is how much it's going to cost to, like, buy more toilet paper that month. Like, it's like, there's the... the, the yeah. their, their faith and their, like, religion is, like, the fifth most important thing on their, like, day-to-day, like, checklist of things they have to think about. And I just thought that was really both funny and also, like, true in terms of how a place like this would probably operate. Right. They, they run up against material, material reality. Exactly. And uh, if they want to do good works, there are a number of things they're going to have to fucking figure out in material reality before they can then go into the abstractions. You know, it's like, uh, what's that, uh, um, what's that quote? First comes eating, then comes morality or whatever. It's like, uh, 
it's kind of that, you know. There's one priest that doesn't like that, Father Thomas. Thomas yeah. He's sad because no one's talking about, like, the state of the soul and, uh, you know, and, and he the catechism the same, and stuff. He has the same sort of attitude towards query that Riker does, right? Where this is, it, he's sort of like this projective screen where he can just kind of talk about whatever he wants to talk about to this guy. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, so, so much of the dialogue is so funny because <laughs> they're just talking to Query about all this, these various uh, philosophical questions, theological questions, just bearing their sort of like personal stories to him. And he's literally just like over and over and over again to the point that it's comedic. Like, I don't give a shit about any of this. You're talking, <laughs> yeah. to, the, you're talking to the wrong guy. I don't care. I don't care. And they always yeah. come back with like, oh God, you're such an, uh, you're such an amazing example of you're so Christian humble. humility. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he's like, no, like, I, I'm not. I don't care. Please believe like, me. You know what, Query? I, th- I see myself in you. And he's like, no, you don't. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> that was probably my... That was like my favorite <laughs> aspect of the whole novel. Yeah. Was the dude just not being able to get away from people convinced of this thing about him. You know, his piety or his his religiousness or or you know, you know, you can take that to be a stand-in for whatever, but you know, th- these people who they th- it was a foregone conclusion for them and so they're never avoiding the same you know, thinking the same things over and over no matter what a person could do or say. See, the issue I had with it, though, the the issue I had with the general uh, thought of queries to go to this leper colony that he knows is run is ran by Catholics is that it's it's like a a weird thing to me. Like he he gets there and he and he says over like uh, at one point that he like this is I think I could be happy here. He like spills that to Colin or something. But I just kept thinking like what kind of weird psychological shit is going on here? Because you could go anywhere in the fucking world where there would not be Catholic people running the place where you start working, yet you go to this leper colony and you're constantly interacting with only priests and very religious people. So I, I in a weird way, I almost thought it was like attention-seeking. On I his think part. that... And, and, and well, that, that's actually addressed in the book, right? Because towards the end, or I guess when he's talking to, to Marie um, Riker, when they go... So, this is just to elaborate more of the plot. Him and Marie Riker eventually wind up spending the night together in a hotel uh, without her husband's knowledge. Um, they don't have sex or anything. They're in separate rooms and all that stuff. But b- because she thinks she might be pregnant and she doesn't want him to know about it and so they wind up and they're talking and I think he might explain to her or I forget if it's to somebody else but that he wound up there basically because he just went to the airport and there were basically yeah. two two options he could either go to Tokyo or to Africa like to the Congo yeah. and he was just like I just didn't want to go to Tokyo and so I came here and and it all you know and then he's always talking about throughout the rest of the book like I got off here because this is where the fucking boat stops you know what I mean? Like the, the boat doesn't go any farther. You know what I mean? And I think that, yeah. but I also think that you're right in the sense that like he, he portrays it as if it was this sort of random, I just happened to land here, but there's a conversation towards the end of the book between him and Colin, uh, the doctor where Colin sort of implies that like, I feel like you're kind of like, 
you have some latent attraction to this, right? Where he's like, you're, you're sort of trying a little too hard to not believe in this. You yeah. know what I mean? And I kind of think that's what you're getting at, Paul. And so I think his, his motivation or the, the, the route by which he winds up at the Catholic leper colony, he is so invested in presenting it and, and narrativizing it as this chance kind of happening. Whereas I think what Colin is suggesting and what was probably the truth is that there was more to it than that. Like he, he yeah. sort of even subconsciously came there on purpose. Oh my God, I'm at a leper colony. Oh my God, oops. Oh my God, this is like so <laughs> random. Oh my God, you're a Catholic? Whoops. Whoops. I used to be, now I'm not. Well, I'm fucking yeah. not. Does that make you mad? And then he runs away behind a bush and he's like peeking behind it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it reminds me of someone who's like eight years old and they want to ru- run away from home. And they're like, oh, I can run away to like Sean's house. No, I'll run, I'll go to the backyard instead and play by my playground she wouldn't right. find me there right but, but secretly like you know and you hope that your mom is like looking out the window and looking for you and you keep looking into the house because like, you still want a higher authority to care for you yeah which is kind of i think that's, I, think that's yeah. part of the, I wouldn't i just i don't think that's a weird i think that's part of the whole point of green's characterization of query yeah i think that yeah, was the I final right. complication was um right because colin is like only a person who cares deeply about this would be this disturbed, you know, um, by all these questions, by this thing of like, oh my God, like if I give up, if I give up this final gesture towards believing in a, in a, in a higher authority, do, do I now have nothing? Like, because I mean, the other thing we didn't really get into is like, and this this also felt uh, a little dated, but like um, Query's pr- Query's you know disastrous life that he's trying to escape from is you know it's not really touched upon that much. It doesn't even he seem seems that to just sort of he just seems like a philanderer. Like he just sort of fucks around a lot with a lot of women, married women. Uh, one of them, I guess, commits suicide, and he is kind of convinced that he was the cause. But, um, yeah. and his whole thing is like, uh, at some point, he's just like, I, you know, I, I had been tricking myself that I actually loved anybody, but then at, at some point, all that was burned away, and I, I realized that I, I never felt love once, and it was all a performance, and I actually feel nothing and don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I promise. Yeah. And he also struggles with, with the idea that like, I don't, I can't love a woman. And I really realized I only ever loved my work. Um, so there's another layer of like weirdness to it because like, well, he escaped uh, his life in Europe, but he also escaped his work life too. Um, well, no, cause he also, yeah. Cause he's, he's like, uh, you know, uh, he realized that, in his head that like if he didn't love these people um that he was basically just having sex with uh then the love for his vocation as he calls it was also fake and then that was like the final blow was like he had nothing supposedly which and he was in yet another leap to me right yeah i mean it it seems a little I, i don't know if i don't know the fully if there's some sort of like religious another religious idea being taken up be- about like vocation 
Like vocation seemed like a big word. Uh, it did. It came up like five or six times. Or maybe that I more. I don't know mm-hmm. if I was really picking up on the like full significance of, but it seemed almost like uh, married to the religious idea of good works again. Um, yeah, like the Irish Catholic guilt scenario also comes with that word and comes with query too. I I feel like yeah, like his escape is very very guilt ridden. Ridden. It's not simply an escape. It's like well, there's the Freudian thing too, right? Of like love and work being like the 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 two legs you sort of stand on in order to maintain some sort of balance from or from, for most people. I don't know if I'm misattributing, but like I don't know. I I feel like there's a bu- with that. a number of things gestured there, but th- it seems like that's all it took for him to c- convince himself that he was now. Um, done done with active public life because he was also a, a celebrity and 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 that was like the final straw too was people were convinced about things about him and he was hearing about those fake by his consideration reports of his own self and I, maybe that was the final straw and then you get parkinson who comes in representing an intrusion of that world yeah it comes shaking in did, did i don't know if you guys in. talk about this while I- once the bathroom, but, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I did wonder that if Parkinson was kind of named after the de- the degenerative disease because that's what the book <laughs> is sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Or if he was, you know, if that was just, just I, I don't know, you know what I mean? We're talking about leprosy and degenerative diseases that, that and Parkinson's is, would be in that category. So I wondered if he, if there was any significance to that. I liked his I also, inclusion. Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was funny earlier, Gabe, you said colony when referring to Colin. And I just, I oh, like the idea that he used Colin as a funny word too. Like Colin <laughs> works at the colony. <laughs> there's leprosary and then there's lo- rosary in re- leprosary. That's whoa, religious. Whoa, whoa, shit. Well, so you guys uh, were just talking about his guilt a little bit and you maybe you touched on this when I left, but one of the things that gets brought up is that, and it's never, he never talks about it as like, this is why I left or anything, but he had a, a lover who killed herself, basically. Yeah, yeah we, we brought right. Oh, you up. did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we, I was also just kind of like, what do you guys think? Like, he just seemed like kind of like a, a philanderer. And I was just saying it felt a little, a slightly dated, like that that would be the, the disillusioning, uh, just a string of like loveless affairs yeah. and then the de- I guess the de- I don't know that's actually pretty heavy but um <laughs> it's yeah. it's it, yeah in that sense <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm an <laughs> asshole that's pretty yeah, heavy yeah. <laughs> it, it sucks I kind of thought he was just basically like uh if Welbeck could write good characters he would re- he would write, had, he, would, he would write somebody like like this I had Welbeck uh I was thinking of that too I was thinking like this is it's just good. Yeah, he there. seemed like a Welbeck character, but better written. He's I was actually thinking contending he was with it. Yeah. Sex addict architect Joker. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. Check the check if if check the memes for when this episode drops because it's gonna yeah. be Joker based. <laughs> yeah, definitely Joker based. <laughs> and based in the cool red pill way yeah, we all exactly. know. <laughs> Dude, I'm fucking based in query pilled. Query pilled for sure. <laughs> Burnt out case. Burnt out Joker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think well, that, yeah, go ahead, Matt. 
Oh no! I th- just one other thing that I'm just randomly throwing out there was uh, uh, I was thinking about uh, uh, Saint Augustine, right? Like one of I, I think he's even referenced uh, in the book. Many of the Fam- saints are, yeah. Famously, Saint Christopher. Famously, fuck a fuck boy. Sex addict. Sex addict. Really? Saint. Before he, you know, that's what his like confessions is all about, and uh, yeah, that that, that precipitated. That book is horny as fuck, dude. Truly, and it, it precipitated like his I'm conversion. Not, I'm horny. Yeah. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nodules. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I was also just thinking about about that just ambiently. Like, is he supposed to kind of be? evoking that a little bit like he's not converted but he's it's also clary dies and that's a that's a martyr act and sort of a saintly he has a sort of saintly mind he's uh regarded by everyone else as weirdly enlightened even the priests and uh i don't know so i was just getting that as well actually i think that like this is kind of what i was going to say earlier like just before you like is that i also think one of the one of the low-key not not low-key but one of the other major themes of the book, aside from sort of colonialism and crises of faith and, and religion and all that, is just fame yeah, and celebrity. And, celebrity. Yeah. and like the way that celebrity both changes the individual person, but the way that other people interact with celebrity, right? Because Query becomes, for Riker, for Thomas, for Marie, for a lot of the other characters in this book, this kind of like projector screen uh, against which they can sort of like put all of their own shit and whatever he gives back to them no matter how vociferously he's like that's fucking totally wrong dude i don't give a shit about what you're saying and i'm not like that i'm not like what you're saying i am they just don't believe him or they find a way to be like oh you're just being humble or you know, oh, that's that's a saintly thing to say or do or whatever, and it, it, he just becomes this cipher for all of their own shit, which is yeah. how fame works today. <clears throat> totally, yeah, and uh, like the the view of Query changes pretty quickly because when when you first are introduced to him in the beginning, um, I think it's from like Colin's point of view, and he's talking to Thomas or somebody, and. They're just like, who the hell is this guy? He's just like, they they actually think he he could be a what do they call it? Like someone who's sympathetic and like basically wants to be a leper. They they were those types of people. They thought bug chasers, leprophiles, basically yeah. bug chasers, <laughs> bug chasers. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but at, I forget exactly when they find out that he could be this famous architect. But as soon as it happens, you know his status in their heads are just it's totally amplified and he's suddenly just like, Ooh, who, what, like, why is he gracing us with his presence down here? And he can't, like, even though he's saying and denying all this stuff about his faith, he must be our like weird leprosy colony, uh, savior. Um, but it's also like, but it's also super brittle, right? Like all people's images of fame, because as soon as Riker's wife shows up falsely claiming that her the baby that she's pregnant with is queries, everybody flips instantly, right? Which is the same thing, not everybody, but Thomas and a number of other people. 
Which is the same thing well, you that, see with modern day fame. It's like, oh, you idolize someone and then they have one fucking, they send one fucking cringe tweet and you're like, yeah. oh God, can't, can't, it's, it, you know, it's cancel culture. Basically. <laughs> cancel culture. Well, Query, I mean, it also, Query, yeah. Query was canceled. Query was he was canceled. canceled at the Lip Rosary. Well, and like, you know, <laughs> the religious groups were the original cancel culture people because they, like, it remind, the end, the end was basically a witch hunt. And that remind you know, it reminded me of witch hunts, which are cancel it very cancelly. I mean, I, I actually <laughs> think it wasn't I mean, it, it, totally. Most of the most of the priests, though, were portrayed, I thought, as being pretty reasonable. They're like, dude, That's everyone, true. chill the fuck out, go to sleep. We'll talk about it in the morning. Yeah. Like the only one who was really pissed was Thomas, which makes sense because Thomas had invested the most of himself in his image of Query. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Thomas was the one who cared the most about Query being the person he wanted him to be. And when that image got cracked, even a little bit, he fucking flips and cancels his ass. Yeah, the people the people that wanted, uh, thought ill of Query were... In the prior part of the book, always, you know, it, him and it's Thomas and Riker, probably the two, aside from Parkinson, who has his own, as Query even said, redemptive quality, just in the sense that he's, you know, um, straightforward about his degeneracy. <laughs> uh, you know, the other two are, are 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 the critical sort of like, here's what could go wrong. <laughs> kind of figures, right? It's like here's how you here's how this shit can just uh, sour in you in these different ways. You know, Riker. Thomas is like uh, a coward and uh, like just curious. What 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 would you say Thomas's like big problem is? Like he's just sort of like uh, overly interested in in the theological to avoid like Thomas the har harsh realities of like just conducting your life and. I think it's that. I also think Thomas would be like a like a Destiny fan today. Like I think Thomas would watch Destiny videos. Brutal, brutal. <laughs> I don't totally get that reference, but I'm laughing anyway. It's funny to me. I don't know why. Like just like YouTube debate bro, who's just like you know, attaches himself to this famous person, and invests <laughs> so much of his own kind of like. Oh my god, this guy gets me. This guy's like saying what I think, and I love da, the idea da, 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 of da. Thomas being like, "Yo, Query, yes, dude. I you you deny it, but like I can tell you're part of this." And Query's like, "No, no, no." And then Thomas is just like, "Dude, that's copium." <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's literally that's that's literally what all that that's that's the way cope and seethe, bro. You're Query. Catholic. <laughs> I feel like Thomas would. Say, uh, yeah, it's it, everyone would, thinks Query's just coping. I feel like Thomas would run a uh, like if he was alive now he would run an Elizabeth Olsen Twitter fan account, which there are plenty of. Why? And I hate Why? them. I don't know. I just feel like he is the type of person that's just like fascinated by the celebrity. Yeah, and would do something disgusting and gross like that. Yeah, there's he a movie called uh, Antiviral by uh, um, by Cronenberg's son. About a guy Cronenberg who infects Jr. himself with a celebrity's disease because that's how much they're obsessed with them. Dude, it sounds right. So I, th that ties into this stuff a little bit. Meanwhile, Riker is just like... David Thronenberg? Huh? Is that, is that his name? 
It's his son, so it's just Cronenberg. I was going to say throw, number, number two. David Tunenberg. Throw? Never mind. Is that Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we'll am I dumb? No, you can no, leave it all in. No, just pass over it in silence. We have never cut anything out. We always we never never have. Bleeped, we've bleeped I think we've a bleeped a couple words. Oh, we have? Yeah, yeah. yeah we was have. Was I bleeped? Yes. I think you and Matt were really? I was, uh, yeah, in one episode. Yeah, in one episode we were wow. both bleeped. Trying to keep it clean, trying to keep it nice. I'm going to say all the words that I think I could have said. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just a fucking George Carlin. <laughs> but I'm just trying to compare Thomas's like sort of symbolic role to that of Riker. Like, what is the, the what is the difference there? I mean, I think I I don't know exactly, but I just wanted to know what you guys' thoughts. Like, what is what are Riker's problems that differ from Thomas's? I mean, Riker has a lot of issues with how he sees uh, women and his, and what it's like to be a Catholic in a marriage that Thomas can't compete with. But I would say they're on the same team. <laughs> you know, I think if their roles were, were reversed, Thomas might have similar views. In it for the club. Not reversed, but, you know. I think, like, the way I see the difference between Riker and, and Father Thomas is that I think Riker... Riker wants, Riker likes Quarry's celebrity because he wants to um, find a way, which is why he searches for all these connections like, oh, we're both men of faith, we're both, you know, um, you know wealthy, famous people in a, in a colony. Like, he tries to find ways to connect to Quarry because I think Riker is more interested in finding ways to sort of be like, oh, I'm, I am like a celebrity. I am like one of these famous people, right? Like I'm, and, and Thomas, on the other hand, is more concerned with kind of uh, projective idealization. Like he wants to create an image of this person that he aspires to. Like this person is better than me and I want to be like them. Mm. Um, and, and so Riker, I think, is more concerned with like, elevating himself to the, to this person's level. It's like the fucking, you know, gossip magazines always have a section like celebrities. They're just like us. And right. I think Riker wants that experience with an actual celebrity that he meets. And I think Thomas is more concerned with like using the form of celebrity as a sort of like goal setting device. Like I, I, I Oh, I, he's a simp. He's a simp, basically. Like, yeah. I, I want to be like this person. I want to. I want to worship this person, etc. He's a pervert. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, Riker is probably the most detestable, and he's the one that ultimately kills. Riker is the worst. Query, you know, like he—he's just like everything Riker he thinks is, is one. <laughs> incorrect and uh, bad. And that was uh, a Star Trek he, joke. Riker's number one. Number Riker's one. Riker's number one. He was number, number two. One bad. He was number two for a while, right? I, I viscerally, like Riker to me was one of the most viscerally disgusting characters that I've ever read in literature. Yeah. Like I hated him so much. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a fucking weirdo. He, yeah, I think he represents like something that, uh, again, he, he gets the most play and, and, um, and so I just see him as like the more important cautionary figure in the book. Mm. And uh, he, because he went he's, to seminary school or something, right? Like he, he was, uh, 
he was like in school for some sort of maybe like priestly position or right. uh and, and that's something he never lets anyone forget and so he's obsessed with this little badge of honor that he has over other people but every actual priest and you know even fucking thomas is like we know you're not the real deal dude we know you're just like obsessed with the like bonus points you got for knowing right. like the theology like verbatim to like spew at people for your but for your just like fucking weird perverted ends where you justify like marital rape and and uh you know slavery and shit <laughs> it's like yeah yeah exactly but 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 that is it for Riker, right? It's the surface thing, and like all those all of those scenes, which you know, there's a, there's two or three that like, and I never thought they were gratuitous to the point of being like distasteful. But like you said, Paul, like that scene when Riker's drunk, and all the scenes where Riker basically, you know, rapes his wife, basically, uh, but it's always in the name of of Christian love and like, this is a real Christian marriage and it's just so bad. It's very, very bad. I mean, there's one scene, one rape scene. I think it's the scene where he calls Marie Moe and he's like, yeah, after that come to bed cocktail party. I think it's from her point of view. And she like glances in, in the room and he's naked sprawled out on the bed. And (laughs) I forget the description she uses for his body, but it was, it was such a weird moment because like, ha- I think she calls it a half-filled sack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it was disgusting. And I was also thinking, like, what is this weird, this freaking weirdo just laying on his bed naked, like staring up at the seat? Like, he just creeped me the fuck out. He was an awful human being. And 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 of course, you know, uh, Marie is a really interesting character because it's ultimately sort of her response to that trauma of being married too early to a fucking psycho monster like Riker that leads her to do what she does in the end which is lie about who the father of her baby is and saying that it's Query because she in in another sort of way has this attraction to Query as this kind of famous character and as an individual person they have some moments of, of kind of um you know warmth or whatever but it's never sexual it's never romantic or whatever um and so i think you know her kind of trauma with Riker is also really interesting because she you know speaking of throwbacks to killing commendatore she basically gets it in her head that on the night that she was impregnated she was thinking about Carrie instead yeah. of her husband. Yeah. And, and that therefore, in some meaningful way, the baby is Quarry's and not Riker's. Yeah. Yes. There's a little there's a little bit of a difference there because it's more it's less of like in Killing Commendatory, it's actual it's a ghost rape. Dream. Yeah. yeah. It's like it was I was there a weird it's way more formation of a body. <laughs> yeah. Ghostbusters won. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, with Marie, it's more like I read that as like you're freaking, you are suddenly incredibly insane, delusional, and a liar. And uh, well, she is, but because she's like a liar, she's she's traumatized by Riker. Like she's, you know, yeah. But some like yeah, you're right. But I think some of her true colors come out in the last few pages too. That she turns out to be like kind of a a bad person, and it's not 
solely from trauma. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know have if a judge she's that. a bad person. I mean, because even Quarry's like, he says to Riker or something right at the end before Riker kills him, he's like, you know, I'd call her a liar if I thought she knew what lying was. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, yeah, I mean, she's extremely naive. I don't think we actually get a, an age. Uh, no, for no, her, we don't get right? a number, but, but it's but she's too I young was, is the implication. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking she's might be like fifteen. Yeah, 16. I was thinking like fifteen, sixteen. When the, when the book first started, I thought, you know, I was thinking like early twenties or something. But um, by the end, I was like, yeah, she's like really fucking young, way younger than I thought. Yeah, she's she's what they called a, a colon, right? right. Uh, Which you is know, a funny passage to read. Where like she she was kind of like married off for, for just probably like old school pragmatic just like money reasons or whatever. Yep. Um. Yeah, it's not clear if Marie's like a, a manipulative. I would I would side more on uh, Query's assessment where she's uh, she's kind of she's just delusional uh, via just desperation and trauma. And where, yeah, exactly. And I think it I think that also falls in line more with some of the themes overall too of like. At one, you know, the ways you can see she still kind of has it together, though, and so it's left vague is, like, she's like, what does it matter? She kind of says that, which means she does have some sort of awareness, but I think that is the fundamental pain of, like, a lot, like, Query himself in a different context, but, like, in general is, like, if if my husband thinks this is fucking true and I, I, I want this to be true more than the, uh, the reality or whatever reality means to her, then fucking what does it matter? <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I don't care. A, I really like that line. Theme. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, I think that that question is a big theme of, of the novel in general. I mean, there's a, a scene early on where uh, Query is talking to Colin about how he just like, or Colin figures out that he's a, a architect and a builder and he can help build this uh, new hospital for them that would be awesome, and he wants them to do it. And uh, Query goes through like a line or a passage about how he just like doesn't want to do it anymore, and he like spills his guts about why he left his life and whatever in Europe. And there's a funny line where Colin just basically says, "Who cares?" Yes. <laughs> and yeah, and Query like he like stops talking and, th- and like kind of ruminates on it for a couple days. Uh, and that refrain that was actually, has, that was actually exactly what I was going to bring up, Paul, because I think that's part of that. I kind of just want to read that passage because. I, oh, go for it. Yeah. He, so he's, he's trying to figure out how to tell Colin, he doesn't want to help build the new hospital that they're basically asking him to do, you know, they find out he's an architect and they're like, can you just help us fucking do this? And he's like, no, I don't give a shit. Like, fuck you. <laughs> and Colin's like, and, and, and Colin's like, do it. And he's like, no. And he's like, okay, I'm going to write you a letter about why I don't want to do it. And it's, so, it's so lame. It's very cringe. And, and, so and, cringe. and of course, Colin's response is just giga chad. Um, so this is, so this is after Query finishes writing the letter. He tore the pages out and sent them to Dio Gracias to Dr. Colin. At the end of half uh, a half sentence had been wait, I'm sorry. At the end a half sentence had been thrust out into the void. I will do anything for you in reason, but don't ask me to try to revive. Like a plank from a ship's deck off which a victim had been thrust. 
Dr. Collin came to his room later and tossed the letter crumpled into a paper ball on his table. Scruples, the doctor said impatiently, just scruples. I tried to explain, who cares, the doctor said, and that question, who cares, went echoing obsessively on in Query's brain like a line of verse learnt in adolescence. And I just think, like, that's, again, one of the themes of the whole book. Like you said, Paul, and it echoes back in Marie's kind of, uh, you know, po it's almost like postmodern. Like, what do you mean? What, and this is something that Parkinson says, too. Like, whose truth? What reality? Like, what are you, you know, because Query gets mad that Parkinson is not writing the truth about him. And he's like, what does truth mean? You know? And when Marie comes back at the end and is like, look, man, what does it matter? What does it matter if this is what people believe? And, and, and Query is so kind of fixated on the capital T truth that he never really gets that, like, he never really gets the point of that, right? The sort of who cares? The what does it matter? Yeah, and I think that that question is interesting, too, because those are things that he's been saying to himself and probably has been saying to himself for years, like, who cares? So why did, why did Colin saying that to him in a different context, like, kind of rattle him so much that's and i think uh, oh, go yeah ahead. that's a really good point no that that was that's perfect because i was just thinking about you know how how that question who cares uh can just mean so many it just it just completely changes its uh resonance depending on what you're saying you know it's it's like who cares that can be nihilistic and like i'm not helping but then someone's like, why aren't you helping? It's like, well, I don't, because it doesn't matter. And then you can just say, who cares again? And then it's right. like, yeah. so shut up and do it. And like, yeah. and I, 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 that is, that is the ping ponging that is happening a lot, I think, with Query. And, and I also think it goes to, it goes to show that Query's own brand of nihilism is, and I think Colin kind of gets this, like it, it, at the end, that conversation, it's like, dude, you're trying way too hard to like be a nihilist. Is that it's it's performative because if he really took seriously that none of this matters, nobody cares, then he wouldn't really give a shit that yeah that uh, Parkinson wrote falsehoods about him or the way he was portrayed in, in Parkinson's articles or that Marie lies to the priests that it's his baby. Like his his nihilism, oh, oh, you know, only goes as far as when it bugs him. Basically, you know what I mean? Like, it's very, yeah. it's so it's selective. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, it's very performative. And, and that's why I think that, you know, like Riker comes across as a very childlike character. Um, but so does Quarry. Quarry is, you know, he, he he's the type of person that thinks that ha he has all the answers. And I think that adds a little bit to the idea that he knows he's famous and that adds to his psychology. But I mean, him being so glib and flipping with people and just being an asshole all the time and th but really not knowing at all what he's doing and kind of just being whiny uh he's very much like a little child um who who thinks he has all the answers and made the right choice escaping but he he doesn't really have any control or any idea of exactly what his psychology is yeah, I, I, um, I think Gabe, you were talking about, you know, more of this in the fifties, probably like pseudo deconstructionist, almost menace coming for Quarry's conception of things and reality. 
right. uh, that he's not ready to contend with because he's still contending with basically the idea of like uh, without God, everything is permitted. And, and what does that mean? Um, but at the same time, I think the book is still concerned with a, a truth of, of some kind, right? Like, you know, the people that like Clary and maybe Colin and these people are, are, are conflicted and, 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 and experiencing some sort of like pain because of these questions being raised, but there are also genuine agents of evil like Parkinson, who, even though Parkinson does raise like challenging questions, like whose truth, what do you mean? Like, (laughs) you know, uh, it's still, uh, there's this little phrase here when Parkinson was, uh, he's listening to, uh, Query and Father Thomas have a discussion, and it just there's this little description of Father or Parkinson. He says Parkinson was watching the discussion closely. His eyes traveled from one face to another. Here and there, a word must have meant something to him, and he drew his rapid, agile, erroneous conclusions. Uh, because so, you know, is English, and all the priests are French. Yeah, French and uh, Flemish, and 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 some other stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I again, I, I to just bring Green into it a little bit. I I, I think his con- his concerns are those a little bit of like obviously of like queries and Collins. Like so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's more of a real, like a a Catholic book, like they were saying. Like it's it's it still I think lands on this ambiguous note that uh, they're still in the on the right path even if there are a lot of like hard questions to be asked about the validity. Right. I want to go back to the, the who cares line because I th- lost my thought and I remembered it now. Um, or at least I think I did. But I mean, I think the, the question hits Query so hard is because he's confronted with this situation where all the cards, everything's lining up to where he should be helping and making this hospital because he, he's been looking for a task to do at the leprosery and they can't really find anything for him to do. I mean, he's like, you could pick these like, I don't know, sandbags up or carry them over there. Like what? Like you can't really do much. Right. And then they figure out, you know, Oh, you have like the, the skills to make this hospital. And that's really a huge thing that could help us out. So he gets f- confronted with this and he doesn't know how to say no because like, he's faced with his own nihilism suddenly. And he's like, it, well, yeah, if I really didn't care, um, then I would refuse and not have an issue with it. But he does have an issue with refusing. So I think that's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah, he's very... He, he doesn't even know how to deal with his own feelings of being conflicted. You know what I mean? Yeah. However... You drew a butt in the book? I circled the word colon and I drew a butthole on my... <laughs> That's good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Colin Powell. Uh, <laughs> I should I have drawn Dude, colon, colon Powell. Colin Bowell. Bowell. <laughs> Hell yeah. There it is. It was so close and I didn't get it. You alley-ooped me. That was an alley-oop. <laughs> Thanks. Uh... Yeah, I like I think what you start to see is is more of like some sort of um hard-earned pragmatism 
with Catholic or at least Christian characteristics by the end being sort of what I would regard as the like promising. I mean, the book is dark. Like Carrie uh, Query is fucking shot yeah. on on once again just people spreading essentially falsehoods about him that he is too jokerified to to fight strenuously enough. He just sort of laughs and then he gets blown away for it. Yeah, that was <laughs> dude. That was so Joker. Yeah, it was that was Joker. Joaquin he, he, Phoenix, he architect just, Joker. And then as he's dying, as he's dying, when Riker shoots him for thinking that he fucked his wife, he's like, he his last words are basically like, "I wasn't laughing at him; I was laughing at myself." Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's isn't there also like a line about like there's there's a mention of Shakespeare, and then there's a line mentioning. Uh, comedy, meaning like the Shakespearean comedy, mm-hmm. which also made me think of like <laughs> Joker. It's like, I, <laughs> what is the line in the movie where he's like, "I thought my life was a tragedy, but, but then I realized a comedy." A comedy. <laughs> no, dude, that's what it is. Holy shit! <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was where thinking of Joker-fied? the cartoon animated movie Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, where at the end Fantastic Joker is just. Movie getting his ass beat and he's just laughing yes so good tyler durden also does that joker no we don't, oh, do no, we don't talk about show. that we don't do palinwick talk we don't talk about that because you're not supposed to talk about fight club yeah that's <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck dude that's so good fuck you we, Damn it. we got got matt we got got damn we got done I, I like, yeah, he, <laughs> fuck, yeah, <laughs> so, so, I, I, don't, I don't know what to take away from it, because, like, uh, you know, he's still, I, they set up that moment pretty way in the beginning with, like, this man loves uh, fucking married women. <laughs> yes. They're pretty yeah. clear about that at the beginning, which, you know, is supposed to be this sort of reputational thing that like allows Riker to to draw his own conclusions and then you're there's supposed to be this like can people is he changed is he you know who believes he is and who believes he's not or not even has he changed but just like in this instance did he do the thing yeah yeah exactly yeah and you know like you said Marie kind of like writes a cryptic and semi-incriminating diary entry which is just vague enough right Spent the night with Query. Q. Hung with out with Q. Q. And she put an exclamation yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also a Star Trek reference. <laughs> Q. How? Q? Q. Oh my God, bro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. What did I write here? Oh, I just derailing everything. No, I just. Uh, I had a little passage. Also, so That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Also, data, and some people didn't have all the data about, you know, the situation. About, they, yeah, about Query. <laughs> so they shot him. <laughs> oh my God. These priests are so enterprising. Building this oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Ferengi, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Matt. 
you got you got something? Do I got this? Uh, Go off, King. Okay. I highlighted this, and I don't know why, so I'm just going to read it blind. But it was something about uh, Claire is talking to, I think, the superior, Father Superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's he's sort of critiquing the superior for describing these the somewhat newly dominant notion of uh progressiveness like pro- progress like the progress sort of dogma and and that his, a lot of what he was saying sounded just kind of like that and then uh he said the priest says uh the 19th century wasn't as far wrong as we like to believe we have become cynical about progress because of the terrible things we have seen men do during the uh, the last 40 years. All the same, through trial and error, the amoeba did become the ape. Or no, this was Colin. Um, there were blind starts and wrong turnings even then, I suppose. Evolution today can produce Hitlers as well as St. John of the Cross. I have a small hope, that's all, a very small hope, that someone they call Christ was the fertile element looking for a crack in the wall to plant its seed. I think of Christ as an amoeba who took the right turning. I want to be on the side of the, of, uh, the progress which survives. I'm no friend of pterodactyls. <laughs> so that's, that's so good. That is uh, Colin's sort of like pseudo-concession to Christianity being um, the most sort of like Darwinianly apt to survive of right. all super interesting like I, I feel like that is certainly along the lines of agnostic catholicism or whatever you know what i mean like feels like one of those things where you're trying to like and and they talk about uh, aquinas and stuff and like uh the summa theologica and like uh these the, all these attempts to uh, that happened way earlier to try and like make relig- these religious sentiments uh, comport with, like, rationality and, like, a new sort of scientific outlook. Yeah. I don't know. I thought all that stuff was pretty pretty interesting. I thought it was, too. And, I, and one of the other passages that I highlighted was a, a, a one that kind of resonated with that passage, Matt, w- because this is um, <clears throat> uh, Query talking to the superior, and he kind of harkens back. I think that's early on in the book, that passage that you read, right, more or less? No, no, that's that's uh, sort of the back half. Oh, okay. So I guess this is maybe prefiguring that discussion because um, Query talking to the superior is talking about um, this word that he hears from the native, you know, the Africans, um, pen, pendele, which I think we should talk about. Like that word comes up a ton in the book and like what, what it means and what the significance of it is because one of the sort of precipitating events is Query goes out into the jungle to save his kind of servant leper, you know? And I think that that's also a sort of commentary or or sort of not a commentary, but resonates with conceptions of fame in the sense that that's the thing that sort of like gets people thinking about Query and it sort of becomes news and like I was sort of thinking about you know people who jump in front of the subway to save a kid, and then you know these like flashpoints of fame and yes. Query going out and sort of like finding his leper servant person, um, kind of reminded me of those kind of events today. 
but anyway, so and when he's out there with him in the jungle, the guy uses this word, Pendele or something. And it kind of obsesses Query for the rest of the book. And he's like, what does that mean? Does it mean, is that where he was going? Is it home? Is it that, yeah. that, that? He's sort of concerned with that. And so anyway, so he's talking, and I think we should come back to that. But anyway, so he's talking to Superior, and the Superior asks him, what's Pendele? I don't know. A dance at a friend's house, a young man with a shiny, simple face, going to mass on Sunday with the family, falling asleep in a single bed, perhaps. People have to grow up. We are called to more complicated things than that, are we? When we are a child, we think like a child. I can't match quotations from the Bible with you, Father, but surely there's also something about having to be as little children if we are to inherit. We've grown up rather badly. The complications have become too complex. We should have <laughs> stopped with the amoeba. No, long before that, with the silicates. If your God wanted an adult world, he should have given us an adult brain. <laughs> yeah, I, I underline this passage too. Yeah, and I just think that it's 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 it resonates with that later comment by Colin about kind of like it's a counterpoint, right? Like the evolutionary role of religion and these various kind of like faith traditions and what they tell us about kind of like you know the state and the and the kind of role of humanity and the human kind of subject. And we and we were reading these books that took place again. I think it's pretty fun. Like the twentieth century being such this like watershed. I mean, like we we read all this stuff from the twenties, like Dalloway and shit. And then like knowing what was coming. And then this is after. And, and I feel like uh, you really get that sense, like the, like yeah, the aftermath of that shit. The people are tired. People are burnt out burnt out yeah they don't know what the fuck to do there's too much information like is the burnt uh, out case just society is it just humanity joker <laughs> we live in a society we live in a burnt out case i'd say the u.s feels pretty pretty burnt out to me you know we got like yeah. speaking of like yeah. we were saying at the top afghanistan and shit like we got our own sort of you know forever war colonial projects that we're desperately trying to cling to and no one, no one in in country is a uh, is a uh, you know particularly like <laughs> happy you know regardless of what they say I would say. And it's I and, don't know. And, and it, well, but it, but now like it's one of those things that serves the same role as some of these these older colonial enterprises and even arguably religion. I think is part of what Green's getting at. It's like these things that serve as meaning givers. You know what I mean? It's like things that give what we do on a day-to-day -day basis meaning. It's like, oh, we're doing good. We're doing the right thing in Afghanistan or we're doing the right thing in Africa. We're helping these people. I helped um, the people of Afghanistan. Did you? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think, I do think that's part of Green's soon. point. I, and yeah, I, I and there, that's even brought up explicitly too, um, because again, I don't, I, I, I wish I could remember these people. I think it's the superior again, or maybe it's Doctor Colin, because he's the one who's the most talkative with Query. But like, he's like, we don't have these, these like morbid professions anymore, but these things that are not what most people want to do, but that are. Um, are capable of, of making people feel like they're doing an unequivocal good, even if they are, say, in a colonial setting or in some sort of uh, illegitimate sovereignty over 
an invaded people or something like that. It's like this kind of shit is the stuff that still you're like, I am curing somebody. And uh, he's almost lamenting this cure that they're that they're perfecting because it means that at some point all the whole boondoggle of the leprosary and developing a hospital and having the dynamos that the priests have to power with like a bicycle and shit all that shit is going to be irrelevant and he's like darkly or, or, musing or at the very least maybe worth it maybe worth it yeah like it's like it, it, all of, we're embroiled in all of this terrible shit, but like there's a thing that we used to be able to point to and say like we did we did the thing we helped a person you know what I mean yeah yeah like we helped Afghanistan we won and okay. but he's but he's right. sad because there is a cure that's that's the dark oh, side yeah, to yeah, yeah, to yeah. what he's saying is like he doesn't want to actually achieve the goal because Does selfishly. He did, I, I don't know if it's Colin. Uh, I think it might be Colin. No, it is Colin, but he's referencing he's some nurse, other like people nurse, that he knew. Nurses. Other nurses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like people that like go down there because they have that, what, whatever nurse mentality, and they like to help people, and it, it becomes a detriment because once, yeah, once um, so, the problem is gone, they don't feel like they have a purpose. Yeah, which they literally wouldn't. Because they've they've yeah. served it, you know, and, and, and that's a horrifying thought, I think, to to a lot of people. And, and that's something that like civilizationally was certainly probably like not just with like the church, but just like, you know, the colonial outposts and just the whole fucking massive operation going on to like service all these things and, and maintain this this sense that everything is needed and, and national meaning. It, it's, it's going away. And it may have and, never been, it may have never been like justified in the first place, right? Like it may yeah. have never even been worth it from the beginning, which is like, I think, you know, again, I, I can't help thinking about Afghanistan right now. It's like, you see all these people who are like, oh, we should have stayed. Like, why are, you know, you fucked up leaving or whatever. But it's like, I think that is born out of that same kind of orientation, which is like, if we leave and, and, and this is just over, then like my sense of the meaning that it gave me goes with it, right? Because there was a point we were doing something good, quote unquote, or trying to do something good or whatever. And the admission that it was kind of all either for nothing and or born of like something terrible in the first place is just hard to stomach. Yeah. There's also just a gross sunk cost fallacy going on of just like a yeah, trillion exactly. dollars yeah, holy exactly. shit right. it's like yeah. four <laughs> yeah four i watched i watched the biden speech and he was we like, could, we every, everyone we could four trillion dollars everyone could have gone to college for free and we could all have health care just based on the war in afghanistan that biden yeah. speech was yeah. not so even counting iraq not even counting iraq dog that shit sucked so bad i can't believe so that guy's funny. Biden, president biden was like <laughs> i went there i met with the afghan we can't do shit about that. Like I, that was a bad impression. Listen, but, uh, I I hate Biden, but I actually thought the speech was kind of Chad because it was kind of Chad that he was like, "There's everyone, nothing we can do." This is the only good thing he's done as president, in my view, and this is everybody hates him for it. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I I don't just I just once again I'm just like this man is not the solid. oh yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like <laughs> he's he's a idiot. 
trying to well, he's, see he's if any of these are highlighted. So I have, a, I have some passages. I kind of want to read this passage, and, and, and I partially want to read this because I want to push back a little bit on Paul's point from earlier about like environmental description and like like this book being grounded in a sense of place. So this is from when um, Query is going out to find Dio Gracias. Um, and this is sort of one of the events that precipitates people being interested in him being there in the first place, that he saved the, his leper servant who was lost in the jungle or whatever. Yeah, very what selfless, very Catholic. Right, exactly. What um, page are you on? It, uh, well, I think we all have different editions. For me, it's oh, 54 yeah. and 55. It's early on. It's uh, chapter four of part one, I think. I went Kindle, no, which is it's, always... It's, it's chapter four of part two. I'm just going to say right now, Kindle, a, re, just reading on Kindle, almost a guaranteed just point, like decimal point at least of score down, <laughs> just from the experience of reading on a Kindle. And I don't know what to do about Thanks my... Thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah. I like, I like reading on a Kindle. Oh, God, on I iPad. It. Do not. So I'm reading out of the, the Penguin edition... Uh, it's, uh, okay. So he, he was asking, so, so Dio Gracias has gone missing and he's asking someone to come with him to try to find him. Uh, if I go, will you come? The man shook his head. So Query went alone. He could not blame these people for their fears. A man had to believe in nothing if he was not afraid of the big bush at night. There was little in the forest to appeal to the romantic. It was completely empty. It had never been humanized, like the woods of Europe, with witches and charcoal burners and cottages of marzipan. No one had ever walked under these trees lamenting lost love, nor had anyone listened to the silence and communed like a lake poet with his heart. For there was no silence. If a man here wished to be heard at night, he had to raise his voice to counter the continuous chatter of the insects, as in some monstrous factory where thousands of sewing machines were being driven against time by myriads of needy seamstresses. Only for an hour or so, in the midday heat, silence fell, the siesta of the insect. But if, like these Africans, one believed in some kind of divine being, wasn't it just as possible for a god to exist in this empty region as in the empty spaces of the sky where men had once located him? These woody spaces would remain unexplored, it seemed likely now, for longer than the planets. The craters of the moon were already better known than the forest at the door that one could enter any day on foot. The sharp, sour smell of chlorophyll from rotting vegetation and swamp water fell like a dentist's mask over Quarry's face. And, and, and I don't know, if that isn't like place grounding description, I don't know what is. Like I, I, and it interweaves with a lot of the themes of the book and it ties back to the sort of religious angle. And I don't know, I thought that that, that was super evocative to me. Yeah, I mean, there, there, that was an. I think I highlighted that pa passage too. There, there were a few here and there that I really, really enjoyed, um, but overall, I just didn't like how the entire book was structured. It didn't, it didn't feel flowy and right, and everything. I don't know. I it's a, it's a weird thing that comes up when I'm reading a lot. Where if I, like, a writer can have a great few passages or. I can read like four chapters and suddenly be like, oh, that, I love that. But then it doesn't work for me for like 10 pages. And that's the kind of ex experience I had reading this. So like, yeah, that was a beautiful passage. And he has the ability to write beautiful passages. But um, my overall issue was like, 
the entire flow, editing, whatever of the entire of the entire book. Something just didn't really resonate with me. And I think the, one of the biggest moments where it didn't was the climax at the end when um, Riker is basically chasing down uh, Query. The there was absolutely no tension at all in the in those scenes for me. Um, the dialogue seemed awkward. Um, everything just felt kind of off to me. Uh, so yeah, I, maybe we could possibly read some of that. But uh, yeah, that was that was a big moment for me. I was like, th- I know this is very important, but it, it just felt very awkward. I think it's, I mean, the climax, I thought, when Riker shows up in the, at the Leproserie to, 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 you know, to confront and then ultimately winds up killing Quarry, um, I think that was one of the moments that was, like, validated Green's reputation as, like, a cinematic writer. Just, they're all just standing out there in the fucking, like, jungle thunderstorm yelling at each other in the mud and I don't know. I got. I, I, I'm not saying it like hit me emotionally, but it hit me visually. Like I can picture the scene in 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 detail. And I think part of the sort of emotional point is that like this is kind of ordinary in a way. Like it, like none of it is supposed to amount to anything because at the end of the book, Query's buried. There's a little minor ceremony and then Colin goes back to fucking treating lepers, you know? And it's, it's, I don't think it's supposed to be particularly like heavy or weighty that, that, that final scene, like all of the weight is in the rest of the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I I do understand maybe that was his intention, but I, I, if we're talking about Simonon again, like I, I just feel like Simonon would, would direct a lot of, beautiful writing and clout to that moment and make me think about humanity in a certain way and you know good versus evil and murder and all this stuff like he that to me that felt like a moment where you should put in that sort of thought and i was almost laughing at the dialogue a little bit it was like oh i'm gonna shoot you query i got a gun and they're like oh i think he's got a gun uh maybe you should hide under the bed and he's like, yeah, maybe I'll hide under the bed. No, maybe I'll go out there. Like it felt, it just felt like goofy, like a Monty Python. Scene well, I think the hide under the bed thing was a joke, even in context of the story. But, but, but I also, I mean, not to make this about Simonon, but I also disagree. Like I think, I mean, most of Simonon's, like, think about the widow, right? Like, the 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 scenes in the widow at the end, when he kills uh, the woman, it's very clinical. And then he falls asleep and gets drunk in the bar and he wakes up and the police arrest him. And that's it. Like, it's not super weighty. It's not super, like, like it's not written super dramatically. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel true, like that's a but... bit of a misinterpretation of Simonon's style. That's true. You're right. But, like, I don't know. Maybe that maybe it just adds to my thinking of just, like, the everything has to fit together organically for that moment to be that uh bare bones in terms of description and work the way that Simonon can make it work make a, make a scene like that work so if everything leading up to it doesn't feel right to me and you're going to go for the bare bones approach 
it's going to miss the mark for me. So I think that's what ha what happened here for me. Yeah, I I I liked the uh just the farce of the ending. <laughs> just like damn it, drunk asshole shoots him for laughing cuz he's ultimately, you know, just like a norm like just like a, cr a crime of passion, honor killing in his eyes. He's a dumb asshole. Riker just cucks himself. Riker's spooked as fuck. He just is constantly convinced that, uh, you know, he deserves this kind of recognition, and he's uh, his wife wants to fuck other people, and you know, in in a way that it's he Riker himself is clearly an unhappy consciousness, right? He's aware that people don't like him and it just makes him even worse you know yeah he's like fuck you, you, you i don't know he's like needy but like mean because he knows that he's just like a shitty person but like he's doing everything in, in wrong to try like yeah, he's not he, trying to remedy it in his head he like has these set of rules that he thinks if he follows will make him a good person and make people like him and he can't yes. really understand why he isn't liked and why it's just like not working out for him yes right that's a great you know we were trying to pinpoint a little bit of Riker's issues and like that one of them is yes he's a dogmatist but because he needs rules or he would be I mean he's still like disgusting you know he's just drinks to excess and you know he, he rapes his wife and you know and he he needs those rules about christian marriage in order to expiate him of his sins right like he's yeah. just looking for this rule book by which to then be able to like uh misinterpret so that he can keep doing the just the shit that should just be <laughs> disallowed you know what i mean yeah, like so he should he not like, be allowed to do it so he can uh feel comforted in the behavior he already holds yes exactly right and, like, yeah and exploit exploit his behavior also yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, he was gonna do all this dumb shit and be bad anyway, uh, and yeah. he also has a moral system that he doesn't believe in the content of, although he knows all of the uh, rules technically. Which is like the scariest type of person that is in in any hundred percent to me. A hundred percent. Someone <laughs> yes. who's just like, yeah, like an empty vessel. They're, they, but they have aspects of their personality. That like line up a what? <laughs> There's a boss in Hollow Knight called the Empty Vessel. No way. <laughs> yeah, no dead ass. Cool. Well, it's also a little bit Rust Cole of like anybody who needs a god to you know to not be a piece of shit is I want them all rounded up and you know whatever I forget what his <laughs> right, fucking right. shit yeah. is but uh, <laughs> you know however hilarious Rust Cole is like that that at least I think is is somewhat true you know like. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. The, le the letter I, I of the law, if not if it if not its intent, is kind of Riker's uh, whole deal. Um, Thomas is just some sort of like, just pie in the sky. Again, he just he doesn't like reality. He's in it for the for the fucking mythology. He's excited yeah, about he lore. Likes lore. Yeah. yeah, he 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 loves the Old Testament. <laughs> he loves lore. He doesn't love cleansing actual like open sores and building like a lavatory for people to actually use in the world. You know what I mean? To like 
he just yeah. he, he he's not into that stuff. I I think the book is trying to gesture again at like uh at this agnostic Catholicism that I'm latching onto as as Green's own you know uh like self description like and I I genuinely think Colin is 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 that like so you don't think you don't think Green is 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 uh, Query? You think he's Colin? He's Colin. How, yeah. Okay. How come? I don't know enough about Green to know, but my guess was that he would be like both, a little bit of both. I I, I mean, like any book, right? Like, you, you know, the, yeah, yeah. The whole like blah blah blah. It's pseudo autobiographical. Like the, the the extremities of myself are are played out in these characters or whatever. Um, but I yeah, think like Colin. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien is or uh, J.K. Rowling. No, who who wrote um. <laughs> <laughs> Very different gonna, people. I was gonna make a Peter Dinklage joke, but I forgot the name of that guy. George R. George R. Martin. George J. K. Token. Might as well be motherfucking. Yeah, what all the that fuck? Shit's... Get a different name. Dude, fuck that. Game of Th- I'm gonna make you guys read a Game of Thrones book for the show. I've read three of them. Oh, okay. I've never read it. I've only seen the show. I want to read the books. Come on, man. They're not They're even pretty done. Good. I don't want to. Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I've come around to Matt's point of view about those books. Like, Matt's like, I'm not going to start them if they're not finished. And I kind of, if he doesn't he finish that, the I series, like, I stopped reading That's that. a cringe <laughs> attitude. Nah. I mean, they're so long, it'll take you forever to get. And maybe by the time you're done with the fifth one, he'll come out with the sixth one. I don't remember which one he hasn't released yet. I think it's the sixth. And he's got two more to go. Dude, it's I it's I think what Martin is doing is basically it's like it's like that John Cage piece that he started writing and is never gonna finish on purpose that he's been writing for like at this point in his, in his career he's doing the like thirty four minute composition well, where no, the, room, he, the room is making all of the composition. Right, right. <laughs> well, no, Cage has a piece. I forget what it's called. It's called like starting points or like where to start or something. And it's like he purposely started it and is never gonna finish it. Where to start and not. Okay, that's not what Martin. That's not what Martin's project is, though. And you know it's not. That's my reality, dude. It's just fucking nights and shit, and he just wants to write the full story, and he didn't. (laughs) Yeah, it's because he just eats pizza at night and jerks (laughs) off instead of writing. He's writing. He's writing for fucking video games at this point. He's not even trying. Yeah, he's not even trying. Oh, you wrote the lore for Elden Ring. We still need two books. I'm a millionaire Uh, now. I can I can buy twenty pizzas a day. But I, but I do think Colin is, is, a bit of the like, author, authorial insert, if I'm like because, you know, I feel uh, like Colin's not conflicted enough. Like I feel like he's Green, not. I don't I think like, Green. I don't know. I feel like Green's more conflicted than Colin is. He's playing out all of the horrific shit in the books for sure, you know. But um. By an insert, I mean, as always, like a kind of idealized where you think you stand subjectively, but that's not maybe necessary. That's not like the truth necessarily, right? Like bordering on a rationalistic view of religion, uh, you are, you know, Green was like, again, like he was an MI6 agent. He was sent to all these outposts personally. And uh, he's also was, I believe, happily married till the end of his life in his like twenties. Uh, and Colin has this very like dedicated uh, relationship to his deceased wife. And I, I just think 
the signs point to that for me. But I don't know. It also seems like Green has been also, you know, because we had the power and the glory is the only other thing I read, and that's like a decade prior or something. And, it, uh, like, the same issues still seem to be what are cropping up. Like, I don't know how much he's progressed. If you were just, like, a genuinely, like, a Catholic in, like, some sort of... um I, I don't know. You know, it's like, especially in the context of like the British Empire and dealing, you know, thinking about your role in it. Uh, I don't know how much he's answered the questions he's posed in his books. I don't think that's the goal necessarily. That's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah. What do you guys think? Sorry, but I did want to ask the question of like, do you think uh, Query learned, or do you, do you think Query learned anything? Do you think that Green set out to have him learn anything, um, like have an arc or anything? Um, well, at the end, I mean, Colin, Colin says that he thinks he's cured. Yeah, yeah, a, a couple times, uh, and I think like like we said earlier, or someone mentioned, like that word "cure" comes up a ton in the book, obviously in the context of the leprechaun and stuff, but also in the context of like, you know, people's just subjective feelings and, and sort of needing to be cured of their, you know, whatever. I don't know. Dudes will literally about. go to uh, remotest Africa instead Rather of go to therapy. therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He basically went on like a, uh, like a sex addiction uh, retreat facility. It's like, what if they were all <laughs> ugly as shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was his, that's the that's the real Jokerified yeah. thing. Where can I be in the world where everyone's ugly and won't want to fuck them? Where's everyone an unfuckable <laughs> uggo? Oh right, the leper colony. Leper colony. <laughs> yeah, but I I think, I mean in in some ways I do think he was a little bit quote unquote cured. I mean, I I really do think he had no intention to do anything with Marie at all. I think no. Uh, no. Um I think you could argue that well like subconsciously maybe he did. I mean he agreed to take her to Luke look uh without uh telling Riker and he ended up staying uh in her room for quite a long time telling her a story. Like I think you could argue that there was some subconscious the closest he got going on. was he told Colin that it would be easy. Right. He bragged a little bit. Oh, he did. I don't remember that. He was like he was like I could. I could. <laughs> he just says that. He's like, it's like and he's like you Drake would say. Yeah, he's like you're so uh, I mean <laughs> Riker's more like Drake. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, I'm just Riker picturing is Drake, Drake and, and Marie is I'm Millie just picturing Bobby Brown. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> and I'm also picturing Drake in a red Starfleet uh, <laughs> number one outfit uniform. And he's, oh yeah. Wow. Mashup culture. Yeah. Yeah. Girl talk. Girl talk. <laughs> but it, it, it did seem like what, what Query needed was a, a retreat. Like, you know, I didn't get the sense that his, uh, his particular malaise was terminal. I do think, you know, I, I did get the sense at the beginning that he was suicidal, not not in the straightaway 
slashy the wrists down the road, not across the street kind of way. But like uh, this podcast is not condone or endorse. Of so course uh, not. What the fuck? And we're not giving just... advice on how to do it. All right. Well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but um, head in the oven. But he ends up dying, and and that was always the, the impression that I got that 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 did broadcast itself to me at the beginning. I was just like, this man is dead. <laughs> Somehow, some way, he's dead. See, uh, I actually, I have an issue with him dying. Actually, okay. The, I I was thinking of of Gatsby, and um, Gatsby to me feels doomed to die, and uh, his characterization points to his death continuously and he almost gets worse mm-hmm. as the as the book goes on. It felt like a build up towards it. But this book seemed like kind of a a shot to the groin area because I did feel as if Quarry was learning and progressing. Um so it made me feel like at the end, like what am I supposed to get out of this? Um this isn't a character that seemed like they were doomed so what does his death mean to green mean to green i mean i think that's like maybe that's maybe that's like the ultimate kind of nihilism right is that like you can be improving and and sort of making progress and dealing with your demons and whatever and then you can just still get you can just still die and it doesn't fucking matter right like it doesn't you you know what i mean like like that's why query, it's end. a way of kind of, again, pointing out Query's performative nihilism in the fact that, like, he didn't, you know, really want to die in the sense that someone who actually right. kills themselves might, you know what I mean? But yeah. he does anyway, and it's, it's, it's that kind of, like, dumb, like we were saying earlier, like, it's just like this dumb, drunk idiot winds up shooting him similarly to Gatsby because he thinks he, he fucking, yeah. although in Gatsby he thinks he killed his wife, but in this book it's because he thinks he fucked his wife and none of it matters. You know, Colin goes back to treating the lepers. He's buried in the fucking leper colony cemetery like he wanted from the beginning. Uh, and shit just goes on, you know, it just, it just realigns and keeps, keeps moving. But I do think Query was uh, the the one like bit of wiggle room to just like, and so it goes kind of didn't matter. Uh, is is the characterization of why it happened at all, which is like Query essentially seemed to me to just need um, some grounding. Like he just wasn't sure, you know, he was a celebrity and therefore he, you know. It's like boohoo, right? You know, celebrity fame, you get a ton of pussy and you, you make a ton of money and uh wow. You know Your life pre- sucks, man. Pretty wow. pretty dark so stuff. But it does cause pain in people, I guess, and like uh depending <laughs> on who you are. I don't know, you know, I mean, no, so, no, I'm so, laughing because I, I thought of something before the podcast that I wanted to say. That <laughs> What's was, that? It's a spicy take. I think that celebrity depression and pain is less important than any like almost any other kind dude 100 percent agree <laughs> i 100 agree good i'm glad mild mayo take dude i don't give a shit we uh, if rich people's kids kill themselves and shit i don't give a fuck 
<laughs> well, that was worse, way worse than what I said. Damn. So, I, but I also Gabe, agree. So I'm with with. I'm I have with. no sympathy for anything bad that happens to a rich person at all. In my view, <laughs> rich people cannot be depressed. Rich people can't be depressed. I don't give a shit. So there you go, of, uh, Like years ago, like a lot of many years ago, I remember Owen Wilson in the news, like committed, like tried to commit suicide. Yeah, and I remember yeah, there yeah. was a clip of a guy who got fired because, like, on live TV and the <laughs> local news, he just started laughing, like, uncontrollably because of that, <laughs> and it was terrible to watch, but also very, very uh, funny. That's that how I he was laughing it. at someone's uh, depression. I, and I, I would say that <laughs> this 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 book strongly disagrees with that notion, though. Just like. Yeah, you know, I'm, like, like no, rich people can be depressed, but it's stupid and funny. Yeah, that's true. That is true, and I that's mean, what real, that's part it's of what real pain. But it's not as important as a poor person that's depressed. Well, and I think that's what I, I think, that's I think, what I think. Green actually gets that. Like, there's he talks I about I, he talks about sort of uh, I don't know if I underlined it, but there's an uh, a few lines at the end towards the end where he's sort of talking about like, you know. This this rich famous person who was depressed dies, and then like the next day, the fucking all the poor lepers still have to line up to get their fucking meds from the white doctor, you know. And it's like he contextualizes they, their it. shit still fucking goes on, and it's way worse than this guy who just got killed because someone thought they fucked his wife and he had a million dollars in the bank. Yeah, they he Green definitely like again like putting it in this place where where all these people have this this highly stigmatized, like, horrific disease is, I think that's one of the functions, is, like, yeah, you know, Query is obviously put in his place. Like, he he comes there, he has nothing, he's depressed, he's a burnt-out case, he doesn't care about anything, fucking who cares? Uh, but he still... I think the, the, the hints were he still does. He still does shit, and then he's like, dude, it was... I, who fuck... Dude... I'm sorry, it was, it was a bitch-made move to go help Dio Gracias, but I just did it. I don't even give a fuck. It's like, no, you know, n- not everyone would have done it. Father Thomas wouldn't have done it. He's afraid of the dark. He's a coward. You know, um, he still designs the hospital. Functional, good thing to do, a, a good use of your knowledge and skills. And that's why he starts to claim that he's happy. And he just needed to get away from, like, again, Joker fucking society, uh people blowing smoke up his ass and making him, uh, you know, bit, again, just sort of like boohoo, like confused about whether yeah. he really, really loves somebody or not or whatever. It, yeah. It's such a, it, th- that was my thing is just like, it's such a common, um, if you're like depressed, de- I, I find depression, t- <laughs> God damn it. Uh, go off, <laughs> go off, King. go, go, go uh, off. I think depression tends to be something uh, as someone who suffered it myself, uh, in the camp of the malignantly rational, like you always feel like you're in the right when you're sad, and it's incredibly egocentric for that reason as well. I think uh, when I found myself in those states of being, it was like this is the truth I'm seeing clearly. Um. But it's also it's, because I can rationalize that nothing matters because, you know, 
we're fucking marble floating in the void. Did we lose Matt? Like this other stuff. Oh, he's back. Sorry, you froze for a second for me. You froze, Gabe. Oh, I froze. Yeah, I think yeah, you froze. You, we all froze. Maybe. Oh, dude, do you, did that audio come through at all? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I'll, to respond, I think that an element to that also, and an element to Query's mindset too, is the element of depression being romantic too. I think that he thinks his whole departure of his from his life and from Europe. Yeah, big is, gesture. It's a big gesture. Even if it's just for himself and he does really just want to be alone, it's it's like weirdly romantic. And I think that weirdly ties into um, the theme of love. Um, mm-hmm. Like he he desires love. And I think maybe the only way he can comprehend that is through himself. And in this moment in his life, it's through his depression and his escape. And he doesn't trust he doesn't trust others because like his big his big fucking like crisis is precipitated by people attributing qualities to him that he doesn't have and he doesn't like that. And that's mostly done in the extreme through his celebrity. Like that that is the whole crisis. And then like, you know, it's such a he, funny crisis. I know, it's 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 like it you, we've heard it a million Crow, times like hitting the the paparazzi camera and then just like eating hamburgers and out or like Russell now. Brand being a, a a famous British philanderer and drug addict who you know n- now he's like, what what does Eckhart Tolle tell us about uh, groundedness and you know how to <laughs> it's just like yeah you know I don't know so 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 ben that Shapiro that was some was of the eye rolling stuff show, which I brands I'm pretty sure maybe I I saw it on my YouTube and maybe it was like a weird funny mashup someone made because I don't think Russell Brand would even invite him on but I. If he did, it's just he's he now did. he must be in the fucking uh, grifter. This is just the content. The dark phase. web of the internet. Yeah. What is that? What is the Joe Rogan thing? <laughs> the intellectual dark web. Intellectual dark web. Oh my god! Fucking stab me in my. Like fucking they're all wall. Sith lords for the, on the internet. <laughs> 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 they all paint yeah. themselves like Darth Maul when they go. Home. I have a red lightsaber. I have a red one. <laughs> <laughs> is yours double sided? No, I decided not to do that. Yeah. Mine's Occam's razor, but it's a lightsaber. Logic. <laughs> Mine's red, but it's more like a maroon. So, so I don't know. You know, I I, I think yeah, Query is at once a little bit of uh, eye roll inducing in some of his like motivations and stuff. Um, but as far as the book like kind of meaning anything or or. Uh, what Green might hope to have explored and, and in some way made progress in inquiring about is is just sort of a a, a a state of tension that's that's tenable, while still I think being a if not Catholic then Christian. Well, because I, I, I do think he's a man of faith. I do think Green is like a you know he's he wants that guiding light in his life still. That's my I think take. that. Your take too earlier about uh, Green being more like Colin, and Colin having the like the kind of the Darwinian viewpoint of life, but also having this ounce of belief in Christianity and like the good overcoming possibly in humanity's existence or whatever. I think that kind of works well with Gabe talking about like, you know, it is a really sad nihilistic ending that. 
the main character Quarry ends up learning maybe a few lessons and growing, but still the world and nature and just the circumstance of where he is ends up uh, leading to his death. And I think that is possibly more tragic than the Gatsby ending because, you know, Gatsby, Gatsby felt like more of a organic lead up um, to a death. And this felt more random, but in that way it becomes more tragic. But there is the element of, the, the weird element of hope and goodness in Corey's character, like him going to into the jungle to, I forget his name, his servant. Theo Gradius. Yeah, and just like having a really good, wholesome moment with him just trying to be a good person and that shows his change and Great Gatsby is a darker book than this in its conclusions in my opinion I yeah or not darker but maybe more nihilistic less less answers more uh, um, like this this way leads to death and that's sort of what uh, Fitzgerald's book at least that one was to me a bit. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is kind of dark. Uh, like, no, darker. No. I think not than this. Yeah, Gatsby. I mean, I do think that at the end, you know, Colin talking about Query being cured and all that stuff, and that he was sort of on the right path or something like that. But at the same time, there is that sort of like nihilistic final moment with Colin and the and the superior, where they're kind of looking over. Query's grave, and they're just kind of like, I mean, I have it. I'll, I'll just read it. This is from the yeah, book. yeah. So, uh, the superior. This is the superior and Colin sort of standing over Query's grave. The superior said to Colin, "I can't help regretting that I wasn't here. I might have been able to control Riker. Something was bound to happen sooner or later." Colin said, "They would have never let him alone." Who do you mean by they? The fools, the interfering, interfering fools. They exist everywhere, don't they? He had been cured of all but his success, but you can't cure success any more than I can give my mutiles back their fingers and toes. I return them to the town and people look at them in the stores and watch them in the street and draw the attention of others to them as they pass. Success is like that too, a mutilation of the natural man. Are you coming my way? Where are you going? To the dispensary. Surely we've wasted enough time on the dead. And, and, okay, and, and you're like, right. That's just how it winds up. Like, Query's just dead, and it doesn't matter. And they have a few sentences of sort of trying to make sense of his life, and it's just like, I don't know. Well, I, the, the I, I don't think there's we've much wasted there in enough, terms of the answer. Yeah. the The line we've wasted enough time on the dead is very nihilistic. And and I think that's the thing yeah. is that Query was kind of dead from the beginning, like you said earlier, Matt. Yeah, I just don't I believe don't, that. I, f- I I really think that he was he had a bit of a resurgence and enough moments to point to him. If he didn't die, he might have um, not been cured, but he might have you know m- the retreat might have helped him out in his sli- in his psychology. And like we like he, it was therapy, a weird therapy session. But I also think, and I also think that that last what I just read kind of suggests to me again that the book is like as much about fame as it is about anything else because yeah colin says he was cured of everything but success and you can't cure that because it follows you around and it infects the other people who sort of interact <laughs> with you you know what i mean yeah was graham green famous at this point i was actually I assume so that. but i'm not sure 
I was actually yeah. going to ask that earlier, and I forgot. But like, yeah, th- this is like what you said halfway through his his career. Ish. So I, yeah. So I was wondering, yeah, like how much was he pulling from his own experience of being famous? Just a- as a writer who seems very much to draw from like direct direct experience. There's a there's a foreword to this book, uh, on just the literal like uh, managers or whatever of the, the the priesthood running a the leprosary that he went to. Mm, my edition doesn't even have a foreword, so. Yeah, he's just like, hey, like greatest respect to like this person. You know, everything else is kind of like oh, you made mean his up. Little like letter. His little blurb yeah, where he's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, but the cheroot smoking is. Uh, I stole that from the guy <laughs> that we all know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, you're right. I think it's kind of both. I think uh, you know there there was some sort of glimmer of of uh, of a hope for Query, but also I I don't think that uh. Green and, and particularly the characters in this book uh, care a yeah, ton right. about it either. You right. know, They're, that's the whole point. Is like it's a piety, a useless piety to, to in their opinion, I guess, to just take someone they didn't know who kind of just fell on them and be like, oh, and dwell on it and the you know the spiritual like ramifications of the. It, it's like no, you know, we still got to get like uh, these. Uh, you know, water purifying pills, and we got to make sure the right. fucking dynamos are still functioning. Right. And you know, it's yeah. And I think and at, the, I, at the end of the book, you're still kind of left left with that that question that Colin, like you're still left with the question, who cares? Yeah, that's like the doctor's conundrum too, right? Like, that's like a, a weird problem I have with the healthcare system in general, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's <laughs> whoa. Well, just like not not the healthcare system, but like. Healthcare people, they, they get desensitized by the world they have to operate in, and it becomes more of a, uh, I don't know, just like an order of operations type deal. It's um, funny. You know what I was thinking of? Actually, you just said that. Um, it's Augustine of Hippo, right? So what is the Hippocratic Oath? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm the Hippocratic Oath is uh, named after Hippocrates. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. (coughs) A Greek medical guy. Gabe is vaping, and it's not agreeing with him. (laughs) I'm good, I'm good. You gotta gotta be able to handle your shit if you're gonna vape as much as you do. Is that a hippo (laughs) jewel? You got a hippo jewel, a big one? Yes. But yeah, no, it's not. It's not. A, it's not. I, I mean, I don't know if Hippo has like has any connection to Hippocrates, but the Hippocratic Oath was named after Hippocrates. What about Hippa? What about Hippa? Does that? <laughs> that's that's not it's an acronym. It's a different yeah, thing. it's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I th- it, you, you know, uh, like, right? Who cares? I think it's a theological question too. Like, does God care? You know, who cares? Uh, does that matter if there isn't somebody who does? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, there's always going to be this, uh, tension between your immediate fucking physical needs and, and the reality of the world and, and the kind of like rarefied ideas that you hold and sort of, you know, all the metaphysical and theological shit that you believe and, and, and trying to square those two in the face of, of the things on, on the ground, basically. 
and I think that's something if, you know, Green is this like sort of globe trotting, you know, British MI six agent <laughs> like like he he must have he must have seen it and then as a Catholic been like, What is this fucking like that that's probably at at the sort of like t- moribund end of, of the whole um, you know, empire process he must have just been like damn what does this mean how do i square this what i've what have i done you know how do i square these things that i believe in what i've seen which is super interesting i think it's worth reading more for that reason or no we've been going for a long time Before we get there, I did want to say that I did want to say that Thomas and I, I was am a tenor. <laughs> Gabe is a baritone. <laughs> oh damn! Actually, my <laughs> friend Taylor last weekend up. told me that he considered me the third best singer out of our friends group, and I got really upset. But I'm like. After hearing you guys sing and hearing your backstories about being in Corlears, <laughs> Bags. Uh, it's like, all right, origin. I'm not story. even trained, and I'm in third place. So we only have four friends, though. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> sorry, man. I'm sorry. You're smoking some copium, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically the query of the singers in our group. <laughs> Thomas is uh, Peter Pettigrew. I'm just gonna say it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's call them characters. All right, you know what fucking time it is, y'all. Yeah. We just read another book. Literally. And you can't be mad at us for doing Harry Potter. Another famous British author, J.K. Rowling, who we all unproblematically <laughs> support and love. Uh, <laughs> J.K. Tolkien. J.K. Martin Tolkien. Yeah. So, we don't have a ton of characters. Goblet of Fire. We don't have a ton of uh, characters to work with here, I would say. So yeah, three or four. Maybe it'll sl- you know blitzkrieg through this. Uh, uh, Riker, what house Ra- is Riker in? Hufflepuff. Slytherin. Slytherin, dude. Are you kidding me? He's in for his selfish gain, and and every every move to like educate himself and everything he possibly could do is all in the in the service of his own ego, justifying his own shitty behavior. Yeah, even his faux honor killing passion of crime of passion thing. I don't even. I didn't even performative, believe. Dude. Yeah, he he shot him pro forma. Yeah, for laughing. Guy sucks. How dare he <laughs> laugh at me? But he, yeah. he didn't even believe it. He didn't he care did because he knew you could. That's something you're supposed to say. Castle doctrine. <laughs> exactly. Okay, you're right. I'm gonna Stand say something too. Um, all right, so we all agree Riker's uh, Slytherin. Slytherin. What about Marie? Marie Riker, the wife. Mm. That's tough. Yeah, that's that a tricky tough. one. She's definitely not loyal to Riker, right? So loyalty is out of the question. But she's so kind of loyal to Query in a weird way. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to still I'm, go Puff. What's the definition of loyal, though? Like, you can't be loyal to multiple things. I'm actually gonna. I'm actually gonna say she's Ravenclaw. She why? uh, Okay, because she wanted to get out of her situation because she wanted more out of life, and she wanted. She was 
sort of inherently curious in a way. No, she and wasn't. She was a, she was a dum dum about um, Query's story that was really boring. It was basically about no. What do you mean she was a dum dum? She said she at was the like beginning. she was like oh I wish this was like more simple and it was a parable. No, she, she said dumb, no. Dumb what are you talking? She says I don't like parables. And then she calls him out when he's telling her she this bedtime like, story that's transparently his own life. And he goes, he's taught, you know, the guy in the story is a jeweler. And she's like, don't you, mean he's, an ar- don't you mean he's an architect? Which is Perry's <laughs> profession. So she saw, right, she saw right through it from the beginning. Yeah. Well, anyone could. It was the dumbest story ever. Okay, it was, but it's not that evidence. That whole scene was d- stupid. But I'm saying you, she's, it's not evidence that she's a dumb dumb. I think she's a, a little bit of a dumb dumb, and I don't give her enough curiosity points to put her in the Ravenclaw house. <laughs> <laughs> I think that she uh, has more dumb dumb. I think she has more. Are you saying Hufflepuffs are dumb dumbs? Um, not all of them. No. But you also said she's not loyal. So what house do you put her in? That's true. She's not loyal. I I put her in Slytherin. I think that she lied enough to. Um, show her true colors and she knew that she was wrong when she was lying even um, even if she was traumatized um so i think that she disregarded her moral compass in a way that a slytherin would and i'm gonna put her in the slytherin house okay. i'm actually gonna i'm gonna put her in slytherin as well not because she's bad but because she's also okay. gabe's mad <laughs> gabe's mad gabe's molding <laughs> Uh, you guys are both jeweling. Uh, jeweler. I know this is drinking like an honest person. Well, Gabe's drinking too. Uh, Me too. Fuck. Yeah, I think she's a Slytherin. Why? I, 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 because I don't, I don't see. <laughs> I think she's also self-serving. I don't, I don't think it's for reasons that are. You can, you know, that are you can't be sympathetic to. Like Riker is obviously more evil but i still think she is uh just sort of pragmatically trying to uh uh, get out of a situation um i don't see a lot of loyalty i also don't see a lot of curiosity i see uh an open door that she saw right yeah like gabe you said that she was maybe loyal to query but she wasn't she fucking threw him under the bus i didn't put her in help above <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I'll she's not down. a pub. I'll, I'll take it down a notch. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm all, you have me on your side too. He's like it's majority Slytherin, dude. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sticking with Ravenclaw. I. Well, okay. What about uh, Parkinson? Damn, he's Slytherin. He's obviously Slytherin. <laughs> I'm a little he's jittery Slytherin. on this one. You what? I'm a little jittery on this one. What's going on, big guy? <laughs> that was a Parkinson's joke. Oh, why? Um, what'd you guys put him in? Slytherin. Slytherin. Easy clap. Yeah. Yeah, he's Slytherin. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that, that was, was yeah. obvious. Uh, Thomas. Snake. Snakes. Thomas. Huff. No. No. I'm Ravenclaw. Slytherin. <laughs> he's Slytherin. Dude, dude, he's Slytherin. Yeah, he, like, he loves the history of, and lore of the New Testament God. And, no, um, but he's. Oh, but his personality, though. He's a coward. He's Slytherin. I'm gonna say Hufflepuff. Is everyone in this book <laughs> fucking Slytherin? Yeah, he's Slytherin. No. No. Col- Colin Ravenclaw. He might be Puff. 
I'm going to say Hufflepuff, no explanation. For, for Colin? <laughs> for Thomas. Okay, Colin. Ravenclaw. Gryffindor. Gryffindor. I changed my mind. It's Gryffindor. <laughs> Final answer. <laughs> yeah. All right, Query. Colin is Giga Chad. Yeah. Query. Ugh. It's a tough one. Hufflepuff. He might be Ooh, a puff. Why? But he's not loyal. I, I know we keep harping on loyal. It's not the only thing. I think he's a Slytherin. He wants to be a Slytherin real bad. Yeah, he's not. But he's but also he, he also says who cares, so he's not a Ravenclaw. He has no interest. <laughs> what he is is he's overly loyal to certain ideas in his head. No, Colin certain... says who cares, dude. <laughs> I just thought of the end of the social network, which is so cringe to me, when the girl's like, Mark, you're not an asshole. You're just trying so hard to be. That's that's query, dude. That's that query. query. That is query. That's, that's a perfect query. summation. I think he's so. Hufflepuff. I think he's very loyal to these ideas, that, and that's why they paint him so hard. Like, he can't let go. He's spooked. What's he the most is. spooked house? Hufflepuff. Mm. I don't know, dude. I feel like I feel like we I feel every, like just no, no. to like suck people that are every house can be spooked. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be spooked. no because people can be really great who are you know. I think a lot of the priests are also Hufflepuff, and uh, I don't think that's painted negatively in this book, and I don't think it's a negative attribute, right? I don't know what he is, dude. I, I'm stuck. Hufflepuff for me. Paul. Slytherin. I don't think he's Slytherin. I think I'm, he's I'm not taking committed enough to be Slytherin. <sighs> <laughs> You're right. This is so greatly troubling. Is he squib? Hufflepuff. I'm going to say Hufflepuff. You can't say squib. squib. That's not an answer. It's yes, not we can. an answer. We established an that answer. literally last episode that squib is a legitimate answer. Yeah, in this, in this episode, we established that you can be Pet- Peter Pettigrew and not be <laughs> <laughs> anything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna go with Hufflepuff. I think that's the closest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, be, I think when he was six years old and the sorting hat was placed on his head, he'd be a fucking Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> he, he would want. <laughs> he would want to be Slytherin so bad. Though. Yeah, he'd be like, he no. Would. He'd see all his friends go to the other table. He'd be yeah. like, no. All right, fucking scoreboard just... time. Boys. Be raised and start All making right. churches. Dibs not like Paul. I have to go. Oh last, shit! So Paul, you're <laughs> How you, uh, raise this <laughs> book? Well, my initial scoring of the book was around a two point five, but once again, the discussion raised that score up some points. Um, I still have. I think that thematically, I, I missed a lot, and I, you guys brought up some good points that. I think we're. I think we just the, the discussion overall really amplified what it, clearly what Green was trying to do in his thought process and what he cares about morally and. Um, but I still, I still have, I cannot shy away from the reading experience, and I still just I, I felt like he. Uh, it, it felt like a cinematic book. I think that was brought up before, and Gabe. I think you initially said that he writes a lot he did write a lot of pulp type novels the entertainments or whatever and i i felt a little bit of pulp writing in this which i don't like um it's like i, I take it less seriously and it, it felt it just felt like a lot of moments and a lot of chapters felt like rushed writing to me that didn't feel uh 
artistic or organic or like his heart was in it it was like it felt like a a little bit like a a book of the week for a newspaper in some ways but that doesn't disqualify a lot of the great themes and other themes that <laughs> I liked <laughs> in the book. So I, I, I'm going to say 3.2. Right on. Zero. Uh, nice. Yeah. I, I enjoyed my reading experience. Uh, I think I liked The Power and the Glory more uh, in my recollection of it. Um, I actually kind of agree with Paul that... Um, these uh these quandaries and these uh what like uh these reservations about catholicism and being a catholic um even by this point in green zone i don't know i i baselessly i say that i kind of agree with paul that there's a bit of uh going through the motions happening here a bit, a little bit. Like, just still like, God, I still don't know. Gotta write another book about, like, why I don't know what the right move is here for my life and for what I think and believe morally. Um, that being said, I'm with Gabe in the sense that, like, dude, like, c Catholic guilt, colonial writing and 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 the implications of that and all the dimensions Gabe was describing like politically ethically you know um culturally and shit uh yeah o right. always always super super fun to read just in general it's almost like a morbid curiosity for this uh time period and these things um and uh, I think Green is a really good stylist genuinely like I I think uh I think he's trying to contend with these ideas, uh, and he's and he's marinated on them, and he's you know, I don't know. It feels, hmm. Even though I just said this book felt a little like going through the motions, it's also the book a book written by someone who's very seasoned in uh, self inquiry of this type, and so. Despite getting a whiff of that, I still think the things brought up are interesting, worth engaging with, even now. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that this book gets a 3.57 from me. Whoa. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of Matt said, with, with what Matt said. Um, I mean, I think that, again... I, you know, I try to separate, like, uh, and maybe this is something we should, we could talk about on an episode where we just talk about general questions, but I try a lot to interrogate my own reading experience, and if I didn't enjoy reading something, I'm like, okay, well, is it the book or is it me? You know what right. I mean? And I, most of the time, fall on the side of it, it's me. It's some faulted me. Some fault in me as a reader, some fault as me as an interpreter, um, you know, some fault in the, the historical time frame that I'm reading a book. And I think that this book probably has some of that in the sense that, like, I mean, we've talked about it, right? Like, 
yeah, a lot of this stuff feels old hat to us. It feels it's been done. We get it. Catholic guilt, blah, blah, blah. But that's from our jaded ass 2021 perspective. Um, right. And I do try to not discount that, but counterbalance that a little bit in my thinking <laughs> about this sort of thing. I also, I did not have the experience that you had, Paul, where I just didn't enjoy reading it. I enjoyed reading it a lot. Um, Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Miss him. Um, I know. F in the chat. Uh, <laughs> He'll be back. So The t-shirts have already been made. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, by the same token, like Matt said, I, I, I also think that the themes are worth exploring and again i'm a sucker for colonial literature and and this sort of thing so yeah i'm not like a 3.54 so like right around the same right on yeah uh so nice. i enjoyed it i de it definitely will not be my last green book as you said it would be yours paul which is and it still will i be think sad i don't think it's that i didn't think it was that bad no i just I, i'm just it's not that it wasn't that it wasn't horrible it's just that uh, like the information I got about what else he writes about is like similar to this. And I'm not really that into colonialism and the idea, like and the idea of just like uh, regurgitating the idea of Catholicism and what it means to the author. And uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm Fair. not, I'm maybe I'm not saying the rest of my life. I mean, I'm going to live to be like 120. So <laughs> right. Um, because Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna get nano nano machines, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> I'm gonna get in a brain implant. I'm gonna get peck implants, and I'm gonna get butt implant and penis. Massive freaky cock. Massive freaky cock. Thank you're gonna you, look Elon like something. <laughs> you're gonna be walking around like a fucking Battle Angel Alita character. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, my micro die. whip fingers that I shoot out and they <laughs> cut anything. <laughs> Nano whip fingers. Josh again, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Holy uh, fuck, that's for the, the chosen few. I can't wait to do that. Yeah, that's a deep, that's deep, dude. If you, if you get so that hot. joke, you're officially invited on the podcast. You're hot and we're in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Well. Thus concludes. <laughs> there it is. Episode thirty-five. Is it thirty-five? I think so. You might be right. I want Nicholson Baker to talk to us. Well, just you know, email him. That would be awesome. He's on Twitter hiatus right now. Okay. Well, so email him. Okay. All right. All right. Matt's like, I want all these people to come on the show, and then he's like, makes me message them. I'm afraid of talking Cringe, to anybody. <laughs> Next week we have my pick, George Simonens. Yep. The cat, the which I've read already, but I love the chat. The chat. Uh, so get stoked! Book. I read it already, but it's amazing. And if you hear this, friends to read it. I'm excited to read it too, man. I love Simonon, and if and you know, should we we gotta do the thing where we post so that people can also read along? I guess. Yeah, I, I gotta go do that. But you know, you you, you guys you hear are this, also allowed to. Post things on social media, by the way. Like Very that, true. For example, you if, are right. Uh, yeah, you're, right. you're allowed to do that. 
Let's not fight. Let's not fight gonna, on air. I'm gonna do it tonight. <laughs> do it. All right. So good night and good luck, everybody. This was and thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Patreon. Over and out. Love you. Bye. Bye.